Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Hashtag Anime Talk. This is episode 54. I am your host, as always, Mr. Lyndon Burden, joined by my co-host, Mr. Chris SJE. Chris, how you doing today, brother? Man, I am Gucci Bandana. I'm a lot more in brighter. I'm in brighter spirits than I was mm. last uh, last episode. We was we was we was in the, in the. You know what I'm saying? The world was in a, a weird place. You but know what I'm saying? See, we started to see a little is, bit of light. Before when we did the last episode, it was right before all that stuff happened. And I want to apologize right at the beginning. to you because you should have been on the episode where we was talking about all the shit that happened in the world. It was just schedules was just. It was that was oh, a yeah, wild, was wild day, and. I, we didn't post anything on Anime Talk Instagram. We we didn't do our, our uh, we didn't go live on IG. It was just a lot of stuff going on in the world with the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the riots and the protest of people trying to get equality for African Americans and trying to stop the abuse of police in this country. And that was something that I know I took seriously. I know you took seriously. I know the entire Bros, you think network took seriously, and it wasn't. Excuse me, it wasn't the time to talk about anime at that time. But we figured that it's time now. We use Are our we platform back? to to talk about the situations in the world, and there should still be content that gives people levity and lightness. Because I feel, I don't know about you, but during that week, bro, I was depressed. I was constantly looking at my phone. I felt like I couldn't breathe at times. It was really stressful. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie, bro. Like I felt like I was seeing. I had so much. Uh, I collected so much trauma that 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 couple weeks. Cause just, bro, we live in a, a day and age where you just see everything on your phone. You don't gotta wait till the news. You don't gotta wait till you get lied to. You just see shit live. And if it's fucked up, it's fucked up. And I saw a lot of fucked up shit. And, and I it's talked unexplainable. To... You know. No, I'm with you. I talked about this on this week's Bros Who Think. I was like, my. On iPhone, they tell you about your screen time. And my screen time before the past week has had been going down. Like, I've been constant because I was trying to work more. I was trying to just be off social media less. And my screen mm-hmm. time had gone down. The only thing that was high was if I was researching on Safari or writing in my notes. Bro, my screen time doubled damn near. And I ha- I was on my phone for 14 hours last week. Yep. Like, that's See, I've been, I've been, almost I've been, I've been, for a day. Phone. Like, I've been on my phone probably about the same, but I'm on my phone a lot. I'm just on different shit. Like, I'm on Twitter. I'm on all that shit. When usually I'd be, like, on my fucking Pokemon Home app, switching some shit. Or I'd be on uh, my manga apps. I'd be, because I'm like, bro, I've been taking breaks from reading, eating zero. Not saying taking breaks, come back at it. But I've been, it's, it's just been slowing me down on everything. The only yeah. thing I've really been on is the Switch super hard, because when I was getting too deep into it, and I had to take myself out of it. That's the only thing I use. Bro. I just grabbed my Switch. I bought new games and shit. We they are got a game called something exact, about Buddha, something. We are the exact same. Literally, the thing that got my mind off it was playing my PlayStation. I literally got Red Dead Redemption, Streets of Rage 4, and My Heroes 1 Justice 2. I've just been playing those games, just rotating and playing video games. That's the only thing that could take my mind off of it. Now see, I'm trying to get my boy Doom to get my Heroes One Justice for the uh for the Switch because it's on sale. So I could give give him the pause. You know what I'm saying? Because I've been itching to give somebody the pause in that in that game. I just don't know nobody who got it for Switch. You know what I'm well, saying? when you're ready for that action, you already know what console you could come to, and I'll give Man. straight L's. I'll play with Mario. I don't even want that work, son. I can't even fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I already my, know what's gonna happen. So. My Mario intangibility game. Oh, I'm ready. The fact that they allow you to straight up not get touched by just holding triangle. That shit is crazy. Like, 
Yeah, I it's love a broken it. ass character, bro. But it's I ain't gonna lie, the game itself it's like, is full of. If you know how to play each character, it's just it's it's super fun. Like it's way better than one. Oh no, one one is dog shit compared to this. I was gonna come on here and trash it, but like I actually really really and it's. The story mode's not great, but like the thing that makes it is the mission mode, the fact mm-hmm. of the way that you play with your favorite characters, playing with Mirio Sun Eater, uh, Deku Shoot Style, I really like. I love playing with Aizawa. I love playing with Endeavor. I love some of the new villains like Overhaul. I love, I love the villains. All the villains are fun to play. Well, majority of the villains are fun to play as. Stain is my guy. So like, I'm, I really enjoy my Hero Ones Justice. But today, Chris, we got a special, special guest. Some would say he's the pioneer of anime rap. This guy uh, has done soundtrack composing for different anime. If you've seen Jinlock, he did the soundtrack for that, for Rooster Teeth. We have the legendary Mr. Richie Branson coming on the pod. And I, I can't wait for you to hear what he says, Chris, because he, he bigs up you, Slick, and Otaku God the entire time. He literally yeah, says how y'all are the future, and he 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 pros. He actually makes a pitch to you guys about something he wants to work with y'all on. Oh, I'm excited to hear this too. Like I'm I'm super excited just because uh I was super hyped because he announced. I want to say it was earlier today or yesterday. He announced that uh his, his tape was dropping. Uh yeah, I, I don't know if it's dropping like uh at midnight Thursday, like a Friday, or if it dropped whenever he announced it that day. But uh, it dropped on the twelfth. It drops Friday. 12. So it's dropping, it is dropping Friday. Yep. Because I know he had teased it and I was excited to hear it. Like, I'm ready to hear the project. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm, I'm itching to hear the project. I'm itching to hear the interview. You know what I'm saying? It's just, he's an icon. You feel me? He's like a, a OG in the game that's been like verified. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got his, his stripes. And I'm like, oh, Homie made the good. soundtrack for Genlock, bro. That's crazy. Like, that bro, is crazy. Verified, verified in the game, bro. Like, he really do this. You know what I'm saying? And I, mm-hmm. I respect him to the uh, to the fullest. You know what I'm saying? I definitely want to hear what he got coming up. And I can say from just our conversations and just from what I know of him, the respect is mutual. Like, 100%. Oh, yeah, for sure. We uh we, we, we be back and forth in the dimensions. You know what I'm saying? He cool peoples, bro. Like, I'm not going to lie, man. He's real, real positive. And I, uh, in the anime community, bro, not just in the anime rap community, because the anime rap community is its own, it's its own thing. But the anime uh, community and the anime rap community, both, like, they they kind of, everybody kind of stays to themselves. They get their own little clicks, you know what I'm saying, and shit like that. But I love seeing a lot of the positive energy come out, like, to where it's like, I fuck with you, I fuck with you, you know what I'm saying? It's like we just two people seeing each other, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I, I vibe with a lot of, uh, like, a lot of the, the OGs in the scene, a lot of the new heads in the scene, you feel me? And it's just, it's good to see like the unity out here. Like people really supporting it each is. other, people really showing love. You know what I'm saying? People not on no celebrity shit. People just saw some like, hey, I'm a human too. You know what I'm saying? I love watching anime. Let's talk, let's yeah, talk let's... anime, let's talk music. You know what I'm saying? 100%. Well, we got a full show today. No questions this week because we have the interview. But this is kind of breaking news because this anim- Annie Twitter missed it. This is something only if you pay attention to movie Twitter. But Variety and Deadline have reported Wednesday that Amazon, yes, Amazon, is developing a live-action series adaptation of the Promised Neverland manga. <laughs> Let me, before you say anything, I'll say this. I'm glad it's not Netflix. And we have a story about Netflix later down the line. Amazon has shown that they know how to adapt things. They're not afraid of gore. They're not afraid of grit. They're not afraid of source material. Amazon made The Boys, which is a great uh, representation of the superhero comic, The Boys. That is one of the most gory, graphic, 
R-rated content I've ever seen, and they're gonna go with that mentality in it. To me, Amazon may not have the most in terms of quantity of sh- of shows, but Amazon has some of the best quality. Whether it's The Boys, whether it's uh, Jack Ryan, whether it's The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, I think Amazon is the HB the the HBO of the new streaming era. And when I say that, HBO is still HBO, but HBO from the 90s when they brought The Sopranos and The Wire and people were like, whoa, what's this new content? That's what Amazon is bringing to the game. Chris, are you excited for the Promise Neverland live action series? Because this is one of the ones we said could work. So wait, is it is it North American or is it Japanese? Oh no, it's, it's, Amer- it's Amazon. It's American. Okay. Uh... I don't know, man. I, I just got to see it to believe it. You feel me? I got to see it. Is it is is my shit breaking up? My shit not breaking up? Oh, no. You good now. I was talking about it was unstable. But uh, I ain't going to lie, man. I want to see what it looks like. I got to see a trailer because that... I still haven't seen a trailer for the Cowboy Bebop shit. Like, they be announcing all these live action. It's like, it's so hard to get hyped for a live action. And this is my big reason, right? Where is season two of the anime? I don't give a fuck about a live action adaptation. Like... That's the January. thing. How far are you going to go into a live action adaptation? But uh, what you mean, that's when it's dropping? Yeah. But what I'm saying is how far are they going to go? Is season one of the live action adaptation going to be season one of the anime? You feel me? Are they going to pass up season one of the anime in this live action adaptation? Are they going to adapt more of the manga than the first season? Because I don't want to see this before that and have that. Because I don't want this to be the 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 way I ingest the story. I'm not a, I'm not, I don't read the manga. You know what I'm saying? I mostly watch the anime. So well, they're adapting it off the, the manga and they're passing up and they're adapting shit differently. I kind of want to get the source material in from the anime before I watch any kind of live action. Well, this was this was just announced. So I don't I don't see filming until filming happening until next year. So you'll have season two before filming starts. Like they oh, haven't well, shit. even they don't yeah, even, no. even start filming that bitch. No, they don't even have casting. They just announced that they have a director and a showrunner and they're working on the script right now. And they need to go ahead and chill out, man. The creator, I, I, the creator's a part of it as well, who made the manga. So look, I'm gonna say in terms of Amazon, because I always want like I want Amazon or HBO to do a Black Lagoon series. I want Amazon or HBO to do a Trigon series. And if this works, I think Amazon can take up these grittier stories and make it happen. Like Monster should be a live action uh adaptation. And I just feel that. I'm going to give Amazon the the benefit of the doubt because of their track record, whereas Netflix's track record, because they have so much quantity, is hit or miss. And when we talk about the it. when we talk about the next story, when we talk about the Cowboy Bebop uh, interview that the creator did of the live action show, I have problems, and I don't see those problems happening in Amazon because Amazon has shown that when they adapt something from the book. They stay 100% true to the feeling. They stay true to the story, and they stay true to the mythos and eth- and the uh, the mythos and the just the feel of everything they adapt. So that's why I'm gonna give Amazon the at least. Whereas Netflix, they have with me a 40 a 40 percent chance of me thinking it's gonna work, and a 60 percent chance of me thinking it's gonna fail. Whereas with Amazon there's like a 75% chance that I think this is going to succeed. And that's way higher than Netflix. I just got to see the truth. No, and I understand that. But can I ain't gonna lie. Like, uh, Amazon, didn't they give, they gave us a uh, Vinland Saga. They gave us all kind of 
hot shit. They give us great anime. And then in terms of live action, they gave us one of the best shows on television with the boys. Yeah, the boys changed the game. I I know you heard about the boys. I know they hit with quantity and not quality. I mean, quality and not quantity. But you know what I'm saying? I hope this hits with that. You feel me? Because I know I I don't hear like, Back to back to back to back Amazon shit dropping, but I do hear good shit coming out of the Amazon. And see, that's the uh, thing. They don't have a lot of back to back, but when they drop, it's serious. It hit. It's essential. And I think that's what makes a good streaming service. So I'm I'm excited for this, but I'm I am I do have my reservations. Before we get to the, the Cowboy Bebop story, there's a bigger story than that. The Attack on Titan season four trailer dropped. They didn't give us a release date. We may get it in October. We may get it in December or January of 2021. But, Krista, what did you think of the Attack on Titan Season 4 trailer? Man, I need that 2020. I need that <laughs> fall 2020, winter 2020. Because I was already hyped for it. I like I, I caught on to Attack on Titan late. So I'm, I'm super still on the hype. Like, I, I, not saying I can't understand how you would be a fan of it still. but you know what I'm saying? If watching season one, then waiting two years for season two, then you but see, that's me? why I fell off. And that's why I was uh, upset with it until I caught back up and I was like, nah, I need to be a fan again. And see, that's my thing. Like, I, I caught all the way up, you know what I'm saying? Uh, well, as far as the anime, uh, in a quick, quick fashion. It's like I watched that shit like a movie. I watched it over the, the course of a couple of days. It's like a long ass movie. You feel me? Not a couple of days, probably a couple of weeks, but I, I watched the whole first three seasons and like I'm still fresh off that high you know what I'm saying so I'm itching for that season four like I'm literally itching for it like, I, I can't wait you know what I'm saying I feel like I waited all my life for this anime like I went from hating on this shit to being like man overrated mid to being this being in my top 10 maybe even top five anime of all time you know what I'm saying it's up so there. I, I gotta uh it, it's definitely up there bro as far as story characters just everything like it, it, I'm a sucker for this kind of shit you feel me like I didn't like it at first because I felt like it was slow in the beginning. And when it picks up, it picks up. And uh, once pieces start getting put together, it's just, you can see how beautifully written it was. You know what I'm saying? I could just appreciate it more, being that I have more of it to watch. Like if, say, season one, the first half of season one is airing on Adult Swim for the first time. I'm watching episode one, episode two, episode three, week to week. I'm dropping that shit, you feel me? But I'm glad that I took that drop and I came back when we had three seasons and I, I that's my first time really ingesting it. Cause Right now, bro, like, they got, if they say they announcing, like, you remember how they did season, uh, what was it, season two or season? So, you know, man, I'm, I'm excited for this. Like, it, it could be something special. And then some of the shots in the trailer, because we got we to gotta talk about the studio. Some of the shots in the, in the, in the trailer look so great with MAPPA taking over. And it's the, cre- it's the animators who did Dorohe Doro and Vinland Saga, man, coming in and just, they are now the young goats. All right, well, I don't know if they have other work besides before this, but, in terms of 2020, they're hitting on all cylinders. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because Dory Hedero is one of my favorites of the year. Uh, it's definitely one that's going to go down in history. It's one of my favorites from the past few years. Yeah. Uh, I, I like what they do uh, with their animation, even though it's like 3D-ish. I, I like the way they handle it. The way they make it flow, it, it's it, it's Demon Slayer times 10. Like, Demon yeah, Slayer Vinland was more Saga. 2D, but they, mm-hmm. they had some 3D elements, but... Vinland Saga and Doro Hedero mainly, the way they elevate 3D animation, it makes people who are scared, who hate 3D animation, who are like us from with every other studio that's like, get that shit out of here, boo. With them, it's like, give us more, give us more. 
for sure, for sure. Like I ain't gonna lie, I want to see, I want to see a lot of that uh, going into the future. I want to see people taking this um, into consideration when they make theirs. That like we're not running with the blocky, the OG 3D, the the we garbage this new look. wave. We rocking with the the, the dope looking 3D that looks kind of 2D, but uh, it transitions into the 3D well for the action and shit like that. Some of the scenes in the trailer, like Aaron standing over that guy who was giving a speech. That was crazy. Seeing uh, Mikasa's new look, seeing uh, Jean's new look, seeing all the different crew members' new look with that black gear on, their their new, like, uh, secret agent suits. We see the the Titans running around. We see a new Titan, this little monkey-looking Titan that's just hopping up. And then when all the Titans are flying from the sky, that's them paying homage to when Luffy was falling from the sky into Marine Ford. I thought that was dope, them paying homage to Oda and everything. Any scenes that stuck out to you in the trailer that you really liked? Or anything that you saw in the trailer that was like, whoa, I need to know more about this? Man, whatever that new Titan is, that new, what is it, like a silver kind of white kind of Titan? Yeah, the little monkey looking one that's just like, ah. Just I see, I didn't get to see too much of it. Like, they they teased it real quick. And I watched it a few times. I'm like, what the fuck is that? I need to know what that is. Like, I need to know what that Titan is. I need to know... uh all the new Titans introduced. I'm looking forward to seeing the new gang, the new outfits, the new drip. You know what I'm saying? You saw Aaron looking all badass with his new coat over, his slick back hair. To me, Aaron, you know what I'm saying? Aaron, look, he looked gangster as hell, you know what I'm saying? But I got to see, I got to see more gotta of this. See, you know what I'm saying? Like, the action. The, well, you the thing see is, I, I'm excited for it. Like, I know it's going to be 10 out of 10, but it's just like, man, this teaser, it hurt because I don't know when I'm going to get it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know when. Like, they, bro, like, I don't know what it is with like companies, especially like anime video game companies, and just teasing shit hella fucking early. Like, we got the Jujutsu Kaisen trailer. I don't know when the fuck that's dropping. That's well, dropping Chris, this year? Yeah, no, it's gonna drop uh, between November and December. Okay, so we're getting that at Christmas, but and like, that I, shit's I, so far from right now. Bro. I think we could get Attack on Titan when they're in October. I think we can because we're seeing. In the later stories, we're seeing some anime come back. I have a lot of dates for when things that started in April are going to come back. So I could see it hitting its release date. I don't think COVID's going to mess it up too, too bad. Hopefully, we get it in October because if we do, then Duro Hedero has competition for best anime of the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Duro Hedero uh, might have more uh, competition, too, because we got a lot of guys this year that still ain't dropping. We got a lot of guys... We don't know if it's going to drop or not. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But we, we got some gas on the way. And we got some gas that already is playing yeah, right now. Yeah, like yeah, the Tower we, we, God we and, and Glipnir. But I don't know if they're... Tower God's great. And we're going to talk about because I, I really loved what happened in these last couple episodes. But I don't know if it's Darohe Daro great. And like, yeah, Darohe Daro's chip leader. Right I know now. Jujutsu Kaisen's going to be good, but I don't know if it's going to be that is as good. Let me not say as good... At, let me not say if I don't know if it's going to be good, because I know it's going to be good. I know it's going to be great. But will it be Darohe Darohe levels good? Because the thing is, Darohe Darohe is hitting like Cowboy Bebop. It's hitting like one of these, these ones that you know are generational. One of these ones that are just like, oh, this is going to be in people's top fives in a couple of years. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just looking forward to that new uh, Shonen, that new Shonen pack. Like Shonen Jump don't miss. They're they not missing right now. So I know Jujutsu Kaisen not going to miss for sure. Would you think of the uh not to get too far off topic, but would you think of the, the Darohe Daro dub? Because it's out on Netflix. I've been seeing a lot of people talk about it. It's finally hitting of the Western Annie Twitter. And I'm just like, y'all, y'all, y'all don't even know it's best anime 2020. 
I've been putting everybody on it every, every chance I get. Like, I Same. just posted, a, uh, like, on Twitter, like, I think yesterday, I just posted, like, four pictures of Nikaido. You know how people be doing the pictures, like, the badass yeah, woman in anime? Yep. I put four of Nikaido. I'm like, this she is a badass man. woman in anime. Because not only is she, you know what I'm saying, she's cool, good friend. You know what I'm saying? If you like the muscular chick, she's hot in that way. You know what I'm saying? If y'all like into that bag, but I just like her because she's badass. She reminds Look, me of like Revy as far as niggas. When she give you the pause, when she put the pause down. I have to applaud the anime that are coming out this year, at least in the Battle Shonen arena and in the Sanin arena. With Doro Hitero, we have Nakaido, we have Noi, two badass female protagonists. In Tower of God, we have Endorsey, we have Anak, we have just amazing female characters. In Glipnir, we have Claire, an amazing female character. Uh, in God of High School, we're getting an amazing one. And in Jujutsu Kaisen, we're getting two amazing ones that are just really great. This is a good, this is a, a great year for women protagonists in anime. Like, this is, this, is, this is one of the better years. Like, all the characters are getting done justice. But what'd you think of the dub of Doro Hedero? Uh, I, wa- I watched, like, the first, like, seven episodes or so, and... I got to see a lot that I didn't like and a lot that I did like. You know what I'm saying? Uh, for sure, one of the things I did like was um, certain parts of the dub that were translated uh, compared to the sub. I watched the sub already, and then I watched the dub with subtitles. And you know when you watch the dub with subtitles? It the dub, messes it up. Yeah, the sub is the OG sub, but the, the dub, they... You know, they translate it. They try to interpret it as best as they can. Make it more uh, for Western audiences. Exactly. And I can't lie. Watching it in dub, it was easier to ingest. Like, rewatching a lot of that shit, I followed what was going on a little bit better. You know what I'm saying? Just because the way they broke it down. Like, I'm reading the subs as I watch it. I'm like, okay, I see what they did there. They did that to, to paint a picture. You know what I'm saying? To set moods and shit like that. To be like... Like, dub make a big difference on, like, the original content you know what i'm saying like how Man. you watch the you'll watch the four kids dub of of one piece and it'll be completely different than the funimation dub would be which will be completely different than the original sub, sub you yeah. know what i'm saying but i feel like with this one they did a good job of of of, of like with me personally uh i love the sub like this is one that i'm gonna be sub over dub 100 percent mm. But for the American, like Western audience, I could see this hitting kind of hard with this dub. You feel me? It's just if you're good, if you're one of those people who watch that original sub, you're gonna ha- your Kaimon is not gonna hit right, yeah, like for 100%. That's what I didn't like with the dub. It's just and it's crazy that they did it with this one, whereas I want it more so with like shonen protag kid protagonists. I want them to take these people serious, give them deeper voices, and make them badass characters like the sub. Whereas with this one, the thing that made Dorohei Doro so special is the humor to Kaimon. It's the the gags that he does. It's that he's not he he's a goofball. He doesn't take himself seriously. Whereas in the dub in this, they make him edge lord, lord of darkness, deep ass voice guy. And it's like, <laughs> that's not Kaimon. And then they call him, what do they call him? They call him they don't say Kaimon, they say Kaiman. Or it's like it's weird. Yeah, Kaiman. It, it's definitely throwing off how they say his name too. I heard his name maybe pronounced the way I'm used to hearing it being pronounced once or twice by like maybe a side character or something, but like the main characters, it's a little off. It's like, did you listen to the original sub yeah, like, before it's, doing it's the type situation? Like, how are Noi and Shin? Because Noi yeah, and Shin's voices, I feel like, are deep as well. And like, they don't, I feel like they don't give Noi and Shin the, the comedy that they're supposed to get. I feel like also, um, Senpai 
is a word that in English dubs, they just obliterate it. You feel me? And I understand it's a Japanese word. It's like sensei and shit like that. Like, cause people say teacher for like uh, one of the etchy shows I watch. Uh, Why the hell are you here, teacher? It's like sensei in uh, Japan. I feel like that held a lot of weight. Like if you know what that shit, like if you know what it means and everything, uh, seeing, seeing Noi always address Shin and Senpai made them, their relationship feel uh, like a like a Deku Mirio relationship, you know what I'm saying? And in the dub, instead of saying senpai, she's always just calling him by his name, like Shin, Shin. And to me, it feels different. It feels like they're more equals versus him being her, you know what I'm saying? Like, and like, I yeah, get to the part where- her be, Him I, being her mentor. And it's yeah, like I they have just this- get to the part where you meet old Shin, you feel me? And it just, it um, feels, it feels- It feels all. Like, I feel like you already knew he was her mentor at, since the beginning of the, the sub. It, it, you don't really feel that in the dub. And there's like this love tension in the sub that that is is built because of the mentorship of how Shin sees her and how Noi sees him. It's that's what and that's my thing with this whole sub dub thing. It's it just depends on how certain dubs are handled and how the sub hits you. And the sub to me was just so perfect of Duro Hey Duro. And I and I honestly recommend people watching the sub. But if you like the dub, good for you. I'm glad you're watching Duro Hey Duro because we should just be pushing that agenda because best anime of 2020. Yeah, I, I recommend the dub to people who who strictly watch dub because the people who are like, you know what I'm saying? I only watch dub. I don't really, I'm not getting jiggy with the sub. Because like, it's been out sub. There's, a lot of people just like, I'm not watching that. I'm waiting till the dub drop. It's like, okay, if this is the only way you're going to adjust it, please Do it. watch the dub. You know what I'm saying? Because it may not hit 10 out of 10 like it, the sub did for me. But uh, at least somebody could come apart from it, at least hopefully liking it, hopefully still giving it like an 8 out of 10. Hopefully the dub doesn't throw it off for people who don't really watch sub. But as far as people who watch sub and dub, but usually you prefer dub, do the sub. sub. Do the sub. <laughs> like, do yourself a favor and, and really hit. So it's like Demon Slayer. Like, there, there's plenty of people I know personally who who don't really watch too much sub unless they have to. Like, they'll watch Dragon Ball Super. They'll watch the big hitters. Like, they'll watch uh, One Piece to stay caught up. But they're not about to watch just, like, you know what I'm saying? Promise Neverland, they wait for the dub. You know what I'm saying? My hero, they'll be watching that dub because it's an episode after whatever. But this one... Do the sub. <laughs> do yourself do you a favor, bro. Yeah, do yourself a favor. All right, let's get to the Netflix news. Recently, an interview with writer Javier Grillo, uh... Marox over at io9 revealed even more tidbits about the Cowboy Bebop live action. In the interview, Grillo assured fans that Ayn will be a corgi and that the style will be the same, stating if you're doing Cowboy Bebop, you're doing Cowboy Bebop. There's no in-between. He also mentioned how the show would be toning down Faye's suit and no and not glamorizing the smoking scene in the original series. Grillo has also seen a first cut of the first episode, which he had nothing but amazing things to say. He believes that the series will release the first season as a whole and is meant to be watched together, especially since the season will have hour-long episodes instead of 23-minute episodes. One of the most exciting aspects of his interview is how he already has written two of the series villains, but one of them is one of the many standouts. Who could it be? Uh, and as of now, it looks like fans will just have to wait till the release. But he also goes on to say how he expands on some of the lore in the story. He's expand like, he's not taking away from Cowboy Bebop. He's just adding some lore to it, adding more story, more backstory for certain characters, expanding on certain characters. I don't know how I feel about this, where on one hand, I feel... I would love to see villains like Perot, the mad clown, who was the dude who was jumped 
and was the killer uh, in the later season. I would love to see his backstory expounded on. I would love to see more from the harmonica kid and the relationship between the guy who he was controlling and the guy who they killed, who Spike saw. There, there's certain aspects I would love to see expounded on, but I don't know if we need more Spike backstory. Like, everything that happens with Spike needs to stay the same, whereas you can give us, you can expound on Jet because Jet didn't get a lot of screen time. I think the thing that makes Spike special to me is he is an example of how your past is, does not define you. You don't need to know his past. You know he did bad things, but that's not what's important. What's important is the spike that you need in episode one and that you see at the end of the season. That's the spike you know. You don't have to know about what has happened to him before. And if they mess with that, I think they mess with some of the pathos of the show. And also to me, the smoking thing affects me because Spike, the reason why he smokes is because it shows he's a flawed human being. It shows that this is his vice and this is the only thing that can give him some sort of life and like not life, but it, it, it gives him a sort of relief and calmness. And that's a part of the character. If he's saying that in an interview, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he's saying it because he doesn't want the community and the PC people to come at him for saying, oh, he's glamorizing smoking. But if Spike doesn't smoke, then that's not Cowboy Bebop. Also, to me with the faith thing, I feel like you don't have to say that. You can just do it and then have critics notice, wow, he didn't over-sexualize Faye. This is good for, this is progressive. The fact that you're harping on that and not focusing on other things has me worried. Uh, something else that just has me worried is he says John Cho exudes cool. And to me, I don't believe Harold and Kumar can exude <laughs> cool. I don't believe Harold can. Chris, I need you to look up a guy named Henry Golding. Just Google Henry Golding on your phone. You could do it right now. I'll talk. If you know who Henry Golding is, ladies and gentlemen, there's no reason on God's green earth that Henry Golding should not be Spike Spiegel. Henry Golding exudes cool. Go watch The Gentleman with Matthew McConaughey and tell me that that should not be fucking Spike Spiegel. Henry Golding just is a suave motherfucker, whereas John Cho just tells me Harold from Harold and Kumar, bro. Like, I don't get it. And to me, that's not, that's not smart casting. That is just casting for diversity's sake instead of casting the right person for the job. Do you see what this guy looks like? Doesn't he look like Mr. Fucking Cool? Yes, dude. Look, look cool at that cool, nigga, man. bro. Like that that's Spike, bro. Like that nah. Cool as fuck. I know a lot of people wanted to see like Keanu Reeves, but he's like clearly a white man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, I know hey, he's, he's a big old, fan of the too, series. He's too old now. Oh yeah, he's way too old now. He's perfect for John Wick, but, but I mean but shit, to me, he's getting old for John Wick. But to me John Cho's too old. Like I I'm willing to bet you. I'm giving you my prediction now. I said this on Bros Who Binge. I think that Jet will outcool Spike because the person who's playing Jet is a suave motherfucker. That's a suave black dude. He just, he mm -hmm. looks like a cool dude. He, he played a villain in Luke Cage and in Luke Cage, he was so just badass. And I also think Vicious will outcool Spike because Vicious is an actor from The Boys, the Amazon TV show I was talking about. I think Faye will outcool John Cho. And to me, it's a problem if Faye, Vicious, and, and Jet outcool Spike. Spike's supposed see, to be the coolest person in, in space. That's facts. Now, see, I got these, these are my thoughts about it. Now, I gotta, I gotta say this because I'm gonna say what I always say, you know what I'm saying? But this is a perfect example of why, you know what I'm saying? I need to see 
the damn trailer. Yeah. And this is why I say that all the time, right? Because I love the news. Like, I see the news. I saw something. Um, I saw something. I think it was something uh, having to do with this. You know what I'm saying? This article. But the way they had worded the headlines and everything, they made it sound like they were trying to kitty Cowboy Bebop up. And I know that's not what that they were trying to do. Bait. yeah. I know that's not what they were trying to do, but that's... Whenever you give information like this, like, oh, we're... Spike's not smoking. We're cleaning up Faye's outfit, yada, yada. And see, I don't You're even think he, them... he's not smoking. Like, and that's how they, and I saw the art. I know which headline you're talking about because they, mm-hmm. they definitely made it. The way that person wrote the article was completely different than how Anime News Network but wrote see, it and how other, because like they made it seem like Spike's not smoking, but Spike has to smoke, bro. He that, has that, to. That's what I'm saying. Like you, you giving all that information before giving a trailer, it just gives people uh, like thoughts. these blog spots. And yeah, it gives these people like just the ammo they need to go off and, and make these crazy headlines and just change people's narrative of it. So whenever it drops, the expectations are high, like high, but you're already kind of mad because you feel like they might fuck it up when you're already anxious that they're going to fuck it up. And this is why I always ask uh, for a trailer first, because this is too much information, like way yeah. too much. Like when they said, hey, we're doing Cowboy Bebop. We're going to do Cowboy Bebop like Cowboy Bebop. There's only one way to That's do Cowboy Bebop. That's all he had Bebop. to say. But, Spike's not smoking, but <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're a phase outfit's gonna be different. But <laughs> we're expanding Cargy, on though, villains. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, he better be like, he better <laughs> fucking be like, you're scaring me right now, dog. Like, y'all are scaring me, bro. It's like, like, chill out. Why do you have and, to oh, say Ein's a core? Like, like, exuding cool. Like, you, you're saying too much, son. Like, like, I feel like y'all bullshitting your whole way through this. What were you gonna make Ein a fucking husky or a Labrador, bro? I swear I'm to saying, God, like, what, if, that's if, the only I, thing. If, like, you're sitting there, like, okay, all right, pick one of these facts about the next movie and think when it's going to be fake. And you say it and be like, wait, one of them bitches better be true. Like, I know that. I know that one of it better be true. The rest of it could be fake. I feel like we're playing the wrong game if only one of these, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's fake. Like, all of them got to be fake except for one. Because Corgi's cool, but everything else, and I'm like, I'm not 100% mad at it. Like you said. If we see the trailer and we see Faye, and she's not skimpy outfit Faye that yeah, we're and that's, seeing, you know what I'm saying? And that's okay Nobody's because, gonna care. Because we're in 2020 and it's it's a different era. Like I'm it's gonna be a beautiful thing. Yeah, to see it's, that. it's but it's to good hear that, it is like it makes what yeah, else it makes are y'all you, doing? It makes you focus on something else because honestly, Faye doesn't have to be over sexualized because she's a bad bitch in the first place. Like exactly. the way she gun totes and the just her attitude and just the way she is, she's a great character. She doesn't have to have her boobs hanging out of her shirt for men mm-hmm. to care about her. And I'm okay exactly. with that, but that's something that I would have much rathered him just do. And then after it's out, have critics be like, wow, isn't this amazing how he didn't glorify Faye and just made her this amazing character? That would have mm-hmm. been so much better for him as a person who's a show creator because now fans are like, wow, look at this guy. And they're, and they're talking about him and that paints a narrative that this guy's good at what he does. Cowboy Bebop's great. But the more you, when you say this in the beginning, like you said, he's not setting his narrative. People like me and you who do podcasts, who write these articles, are setting the narrative for anti-Twitter and for anime fans. And that's not good mm-hmm. because the narrative just, that's set is not good right now. I just don't like the fact that he's saying all this because I feel like he's trying to warn, like, okay, I got a lot of rapper friends, right? So this is the analogy I'm running with. You know when your rapper friend shows you a song, he's like, hey, 
listen to this. And they just shows it to you and it's a banger. You're like, I love it. But then sometimes you, you, they click play and then they stop it like a second in like, oh, but wait, it's not mastered. And they yeah. click it again and they're like, oh, but wait, it's really good of a song. Don't get me, don't get I me wrong. Just, the first couple bars. Yeah, I freestyled that shit. They're like, <laughs> make a, a bunch of excuses before the shit even drop. It's like, son, stop trying to warn us and stop trying to prep us for it. Just let us see. Just, yeah, so let us do it. We see Faye with pro- progressive outfit is going to be a beautiful thing. She still has to exude that sex appeal. Just like, yeah, she still uh, has to Spike be a beautiful woman. Cool. Yeah. Has to have sex appeal, like how you say that guy is the perfect guy for Spike, but John Cho is like That's you Harold, saying bro. that. Oh, he's he's looking cool. He's 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 the perfect like he's exuding cool on the set. It's like son, stop you lying to yeah, us and yourself. You, he shouldn't have to tell us that. It, like honestly, Chris, all they would have to release is John Cho smoking a cigarette by the red plane and just have dun, 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 give that man then, a fake cigarette if he's scared to smoke a real then, cigarette, bro. Like it's have, about the imagery. Ha, like literally just dun, 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 and then like him puffing and says, "It is uh whatever happens happens," and then just cut black and then say, "Cowboy Bebop coming to Netflix." You don't think that would break the internet with Annie Twitter if that happened and it, and John Cho actually looked cool and like everything actually looked right instead and of nobody you. knew he was going nobody nobody knew he was going to play Spike yeah uh, Spike prior to the, the trailer that would been a perfect trailer drop like, even if like I don't know if you've seen a while back um they did like a Mortal Kombat like little teaser kind of thing where it wasn't a full movie it was like what like thirty minutes or whatever ten minutes but it was like they showed Jax and Sonya you know like a live action Mortal Kombat in like a um modern day kind of thing it was like 2010 i want to say it dropped but it looked really dope you know what i'm saying but they just dropped it it's kind of i don't know if it was like a a short or if it was like a, a teaser to be like hey get this go fund me to this level and we'll make it into a movie i think but that was a youtube like, series i'm pretty sure and that I'm, i think it looked dope if i'm if i'm I, thinking I say right it, was, it, it was it wasn't a lot and it did look dope but nobody had to go on there and say hey jacks ain't gonna have his shirt off with a huge metal arm <laughs> sonya is not gonna be in that little green tight outfit you know what i'm saying just yeah. they just let the shit rock and people were amazed you know what i'm saying they and people hit them so now you you are sitting there saying Oh, John Cho exudes coolness on the set. So now when it dropped, if that nigga don't look 10, <laughs> if he ain't 10 out of 10 cool, son, I'm calling bullshit. I'm being yeah, mad automatically. Oh, I, I, I've said that if John Cho's amazing, I will apologize on this show, on Twitter, on I will apologize as long as we're talking about the show. But you see if John Cho is anything like what I think he's going to be, I'm talking shit. Like that, to me, that will ruin Cowboy Bebop. Because Spike... I understand that Jet, Faye, Ayn, and uh, Ed all have a role. And don't get me started on Ed. I don't know how the fuck they're going to do Ed. But I think all of them have an important piece in Vicious as well. But to me, they have 50, like all those names I said, have 50% of Cowboy Bebop. You see that other 50% is all Spike. It's on his shoulders. 150%, bro. Like, Spike is Cabo Bebop. Without executing Spike... It doesn't work. There's no purpose in executing everything. Like, and that, if, if everything else was perfect, but Spike wasn't, it's what not, is the point? Yeah, and then, see, that's what I'm worried about, because I feel like Jet is going to be... A, I think I, I, I know in my soul Jet's going to be amazing, and I know they're expanding Jet's character, because to me, if you look at Cowboy Bebop, just because I'm writing, I'm learning how to write... Uh, TV shows, I'm, I'm writing comics and stories, and I'm learning how to be a better writer, and like, just from an objective standpoint, looking at Cowboy Bebop, my only criticism is that we don't get enough Jet. And mm-hmm. that's the place where you can add story, like if it's gonna be an hour long, give Jet, like one episode, instead of having Spike be the focus or Faye, let Jet have the focus for two to three episodes, and that's going to make Jet really cool. But if Spike doesn't work, then it's all for fucking nothing. 
also they're gonna be hour long episodes. Doesn't work like. Ooh. Oh, I, I was just saying. Oh, yeah, it's gonna be hour long episodes, and it's gonna be two seasons. So they're doing the twenty six episodes over two seasons, and since they're an hour, they have to add more content. So it's like. Some episodes are going to, instead of, he said some things, they're gonna, still going to do the bounties, but they're going to focus more things on plot between Spike and Vicious. And it's like, what? Like, those are only specific episodes, like five. And five is one, and there's one, there's a couple later on. But you can't have, like, six episodes of this 12 season about Spike and Vicious. What makes Cowboy Bebop great is the different adventures that they go on. And it, it makes him that much more impactful. Just for the fact that you don't know Vicious, like Vicious isn't this long running like villain that's like an arc villain. He's not yeah. a, 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 you know what I'm saying? He, He's he a feels couple like episodes. This, and it, it's the perfect couple episodes too because it ties everything together. And we get his backstory like it just works. Yeah, and I, I'm not gonna lie. Some things just work the way they work because of the way they work. You know what I'm saying? Like, Dragon Ball Z works because of the, the amazing fluidity of the Super Saiyan transformation, the amazing fluidity of the animation of the Kamehameha. When you do a live adaptation and you get something like Evolution, yeah. it don't fucking hit. Like, it's supposed to hit because it's like, we love Dragon Ball Z for this. Like, when you see Netflix Death Note, whenever you see yeah. they turn Light Yagami into Light Turner, two polar opposite characters, it's like, son, you took the heart out of what made niggas love Death Note. And see, to me, Oh no! Like ahead, I loved it because he was he, like I love watching Death Note because like Yagami he was the villain clearly but he was yep. the protagonist of the story like he was the villain but the main character and when you watch him you sit there you're like oh my god like you want him to go down but it's uh, it's an amazing show seeing him seeing him uh it's like Walter, guy and, it's like, like Walter White it's like Facts. The Wire it's like Tony Soprano you want to see them get away with it but they're evil people and that's what Death Note didn't do they tried to make light a good guy but let me give some props to someone who do, who did it right you see a, a a leader battle angel they did it right they followed the manga they put the money into it and that's one of the best anime live actions Ghost in the Shell may have been boring because it was too long and it was a beat for beat anime uh, manga adaptation but they did it right. It felt like Ghost in the Shell. They got the heart right. They just had dialogue issues and pacing issues. That's okay because uh. they got the heart right. And if Cowboy Bebop has no pacing issues, has the dialogue right, has the action, but the heart's not right, the body won't move. Facts. I've just seen, like, basically, you know what I'm saying? I've seen the Dragon Ball Evolution side, the Death Note side of like trash of what not to do because you're going too opposite of a direction. Then I've seen uh, what I consider to be, because I haven't seen Battle Angel Alita or uh, Battle Angel Alita or- Yeah, you got to uh, watch that. Ghost that shit's fire. And uh, those are probably top tier. You know what I'm saying? Cause the oh, ones Battle Angel Alita is the best. Like the ones I look at is the best because the I haven't Bleach. seen those is uh, Bleach and Full Metal Alchemist. But when I actually look at them, it's like they're the best that I've seen, but they're very mid. And they're yeah, mid corny. because they kept the heart. But Full Metal Alchemist had uh, pacing issues. Bleach had weird issues. And they were both great to watch because as a Bleach fan, as a Full Metal Alchemist fan, when I went into those live action adaptations, it it got enough right to where I'm like, okay, see, this is decent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is how you don't fuck it up. They just when didn't I look have the at everything else, yeah, they just didn't have the budget. They didn't have the and uh, like with Full Metal Alchemist specifically, that was clearly just a cash grab. They were like, okay, let's mm. stuff as many iconic Full Metal Alchemist moments into this movie as we can. And there's let's, no way, it, no matter they're in order, no matter whatever, we could just we just gotta tug on them heartstrings. To me, that's so dumb. And I and 
to me, Full Metal Alchemist is such a deliberately paced, long drawn series that only works because you get every little you get from the top left corner of episode one all the way to the bottom right corner of the last episode. It's it all connects like every dot in between connects. And that's why it works. Full Metal Alchemist, you know what HBO should do if they want a new Game of Thrones? HBO should make a live action Full Metal Alchemist. That would be that would amazing. That would be hard. That would be, that would be amazing. Like, and see, I think if Amazon's Promise Neverland works, that's something that can happen. Yeah, like I'm, I'm excited to see that too. I want to see live action get done better. Like, especially with um, it should with work. The we have Bebop. money to I do got, it now. I, and like, Cowboy Bebop, Bebop should be a really layup. See them ruin. That's what I'm because we've seen them ruin too many shows. Like, if they ruin Cowboy Bebop, it's gonna be a wrap for live action. That yeah. I'm not even excited at all when I see them. You feel me? And like, but they should work. Need them to be good. We're in the golden age of television. Super, like, comic books get it done. Like, if a comic book can make it happen, a manga should be able to do it too. A manga is just a Japanese comic book. Like, let's stop acting like they're different things. It's all all from the same bait. They're all from the same parents. And yes, my hero, no, not my hero. Yes, Naruto and One Piece are harder because they're more fantastical. I'm not saying make those. But you see something like Full Metal with not a lot of powers, not a lot of fans. Like, yes, they have, alchemist powers where they make stuff but that could be done because game of thrones showed that that type of stuff could be done i mean black lagoon is just itching to be an hbo assassin show or an amazon assassin show and if cowboy bebop works we can see things like trigon like black lagoons things that are layups but when the layups work that means we can take out shoot a three-pointer like full metal alchemist so if we hit it we get in three points because it's a bang but if we miss, right. at least we took the shot. You know what I mean? That only works if this Cowboy Bebop thing is successful. And everything I'm seeing right now makes me think it won't be. But if Promise Neverland is successful, then we'll be okay. I think one of them is going to work, and I think one of them won't. I hope. I hope people are learning from uh, I hope the they errors. both work, though. If you had to say right now which one works and which one doesn't. With all the information that they keep shoving down my throat from Cowboy Bebop, I want to say... Uh, Promise Neverland. Like if if they just said, "Hey, Cowboy Bebop live ad- uh, live action adaptation on the way," I'm picking Bebop, I'd be like, Cowboy Bebop. But all that information they gave me and the lack of information I have of Promise Neverland, and the only information I have of Promise Neverland is that it's Amazon. I'm pretty excited to see. Like, Same. See I'm, I'm rocking with Promise Neverland as well, and because the thing is with the first season of Promise Neverland, it'll be a horror. It'll be a horror series. Like season, Max. it's gonna that's gonna be crazy, man. Like with all the jump scares and. You could make the 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 demons look so you can ha- hide them in shadows and make them look so grotesque. Like, nah, that's gonna be fucking great. Like, yeah, because I'm not gonna lie, the jump scares in the anime and the manga hit super hard. And jump scares are live action is jump scare bags. So yeah, whenever that's you what you do. The that. Jump scares <laughs> in the in the fucking uh, like, bro, the tension in the anime was wild. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, this, and you remember we said you just cast the Stranger Things kids? Oh, they're gonna get some fun. Like, this is gonna be great. Like, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm ready. Like, give me Eleven as Emma. <laughs> Perfect casting. It's gonna be pretty badass. Like, I'm, I'm I'm excited to see this more than I'm excited to see um. God, what be any other yeah. any other uh like live, live but action. Man, I, I, a lot of them live action scare me. Like the One Piece one scares the shit out of me, bro. Oh yeah, no, that's the one that I'm terrified the most of. That one in Naruto. I don't know which one's worse because Naruto has tail beast, but the thing is, One Piece, you now nah, One Piece scares me more than Naruto. I don't even know who I'm kidding. Like One Piece is fucking <sighs> terrifying me. But we need to start a hashtag, hashtag uh HBO 
make uh, HBO make Black Lagoon or, or Amazon, like Black Lagoon uh, for live action. That's what needs to be the hashtag, Black Lagoon for live action. Cause and that could work, bro. That could really want, work if they do it Y'all right. want diversity. Y'all want uh, strong female leads. You want strong Black leads. Black Lagoon is the thing to do. You have a female lead. You have a black male lead. You have an Asian male lead. You have a white male lead. You have a, a white female lead. You you hit all the different... There's a Latino male in the show. Like, Black Lagoon is diversity cream. Like, it's diversity cream pies. Like, it's what you... like. You take that bite, you get burst with just the flavor. That's what Black Lagoon is. And it it just... It's a layup, and that's what America can do. Bounty hunters, no powers, and not even in space, in just normal a world? Oh, that would that would kill. That would yep. fucking kill. This but, is America's live-action bag. They should have been yeah, adapted. This. They should have adapted yeah. this before they adapted Goose in the Shell and uh, Battle <laughs> Angel Alita. Yeah. This is some shit that they know will work. If this is a Netflix series... It'll bring more attention but to I don't even I don't even want it to go to like fuck Netflix. Like I'm, I need Black Lagoon to go somewhere where they can give me the gore and give me the gra- like I want all of that. Cause like, yeah, and, and let me say this: Netflix did The Witcher amazing. But for every Witcher there is, there's a death <laughs> note, there's like there's so much bad shit. And that's what happens when you have so much quantity where you focus quantity over quality. And mm-hmm. that's why I fuck with Amazon and HBO. But next up, we got, oh, this is this is a big one. Oh, no, 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 it's not. We're not there yet. Okay, this is the list of shows that are coming back. Food Wars will be back on July 3rd. That's when the new episodes will begin. Uh, no Guns Life, the second part of season one, will begin on, in July as well. And Operate Ran Man will premiere the new episode on July 3rd. So those three are coming back. Hopefully, Millionaire Detective will be back in July because if those are back, summer's going to be amazing with God of High School and Fire Force with Operate Ran Man, Food Wars, and No Guns Life. I'm so ready for the second half of No Guns Life. Yes, yeah, it's going to be raw. It's going to be, uh, we're going to be back. We're going to be back in the uh, in the mix. I didn't even know all those are coming back. Yes, sir. I got you. <laughs> Brother, I got you covered. And the final story today, this is one that I put last because this is something that we need to talk about. So... In Japan, laws are are about to officially affect on the first of the new year. This is new piracy laws, new manga leech site laws. The the uh, basically leech sites will be banned on October first, along that this year, along well, October first. Uh, they go on the effect the first of the new year, so I'm guessing leech sites will start to get banned October first. But then, if they're there at the first of the year, then this will take effect. Uh, along with the passing of new sites or development of leech apps while downloading a few frames of manga will not be considered a crime. The full chapter or story is an entirely different situation. It also stands to note that any fan fictions or in similarly created works will not be considered a part of the law, making it okay to download and share. But the punishment for those who do leech sites in manga apps uh, repeat offenders will serve two years in jail or face a fine of 2 million yen, which is 18,274 U.S. dollars, or, uh, um, or a combination of the two. Operators of leech sites will serve up to five years in jail and be fined 5 million, which is 5 million yen, which is 45,000 U.S. dollars, or both punishments together. These new laws will help to keep creators of these beloved stories paid the proper amount they deserve for their hard work 
to put in to make their readers happy and entertain. The law will change a lot in the world of manga and piracy. So this is huge. Um, it won't affect American leech companies. This is more so in Japan. But this probably will stop the spoiler leaks. Krista, how do you feel about this? Ah, people still gonna drop their little panels, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, as far as full chapter spoilers and shit like that, that's gonna be cool, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna we, we gonna all get it at the same time because a lot of I know a lot of people are mad. I, I seen uh oh, there was my hero spoilers were dropping left and right tonight. Bro, I seen um fans like uh there's the what is it, the official Jujutsu Kaisen um manga translator. Mm. He's been slacking and not getting the chapters translated as fast as he should be. And people been getting on his ass. Like he had tweeted something the other day. He had tweeted like a link to his Facebook, not his Facebook, uh, his YouTube. And he was like, about to start doing Q and A's. And they were like, nah, this. bro, give us that content. Give us yeah, some bro, chapters. They, <laughs> bro, they roasted his ass. Like, son, I seen somebody uh, quote retweet that shit and they got on his ass so hard, nigga deleted the tweet. I was like, damn, son. Damn. I was like, bro, they that mad because they want the translations. But the thing is, if the Japanese versions drop and there's days before the, I'm the you know, Shona Jump drops it, you know, people are itching for that, itching for that. And, and they're look, like on these translators' ass. I think this is good for the community, but I want to challenge Shonen Jump this because I, I want all my mangaka to be paid properly. If Oda's not getting paid properly, then I will stop looking at... If, the, if Oda not getting paid properly is because we look at leaks, I need to stop because he provides me so much entertainment. Same for Horikoshi, mm -hmm. same for Gotage, same for uh, uh, Boichi, same for all the mangaka that we love. But... Shonen Jump, there's an easy solution. That ain't happening on this end. I'm buying everything. See, I, we, I read this we, shit on the and uh, apps and the, I buy it. We, exactly. We pay for the Shonen Jump viz. We buy manga. But my thing is this. Shonen Jump, you have an app that you make people pay for. If $1.99 is not enough, how about making people pay $5.99 to get it the same day as Japan? If they do that, I guarantee me and Crystal would pay it. I guarantee I'd more anime it. fans would pay it. And that's how you stop piracy. That's how you stop leaks by allowing the West and the rest of the world to get it the same day as Japan. I understand you're trying to sell physical copies, but you have a streaming service. You have to get into the 21st century. And Make then, us then, pay. Then physical copies will always sell, bro. Sell, I yeah. need this. I need People this for are myself. Collectors. Like, they I found that. out about this. Like, I found out about this from reading it on on my phone, but it was so cold. I wanted to support the Magaka. I bought the, I I bought no the shit. Life, Vinland, like after I re it looks amazing. And my thing is, we're in the new age. If I have to pay a little more to get it the same day, that should be good for you for business. Like, I don't get why they don't do that. Cracking down on the laws won't really change anything. You have mm -hmm. to change the system. And see, the thing is, bro, people are not buying Jujutsu Kaisen volumes to read them. People are buying Jujutsu Kaisen volumes them. because they love them. Like when I was buying Demon Slayer volumes, which I still am, when the new Demon Slayer My hero, that's in America, me. like the Demon Slayer volumes are like five, six ahead in Japan than they are in America. But every time it drops in America, I buy it, not because I haven't read it, because I need it for myself, you know what I'm yeah, saying? for your collection. So at the same time, you don't have to worry about they sitting there like, we need you to buy this, we need you to buy this. Nobody is buying it to stay caught up. And that's a point. backwards way of thinking in the 21st mm -hmm. century. Like, if you're more concerned with physical sales than you are boosting your streaming and your app, you're absolutely out your mind. Because like at, you said, they could get a bigger bag by just charging a little more and doing it a little bit more efficiently. Literally, that's it. At, the, at the minimum, charge $5.99. And I know for a fact if they charge $10.99, we still pay for it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I ain't gonna lie. 
I would pay for it just off of the strength of more money going to the creators. Like yeah. if they're like, if they're sitting there like, hey, look, two ninety nine to get it's all the older shit. Oda sitting there like Oda need a little bit more because two ninety nine, you're not just paying for Oda, you paying for everybody. Oda need his two ninety nine Ex- like, fully. Look, he can't look, split that with nobody. Two ninety nine, and you get it how they do it now. You get it the next Monday, but you see if you do. 1099, you get it right now, Thursday. Japan has it. How do, why do you think the fan translations are out? Because people bought the real manga and took pictures. And also, you have everything too, because they, they, yeah, they every, do every week or every month, they're like, hey, we We're just gave y'all the this. middle of Demon Slayer. I'm like, who cares? I read that shit already. And see, that's another reason why people use pirated sites is because of y'all, because y'all don't have the full. I pay for the site and I can't read all of, I couldn't read all of Jujutsu Kaisen. I had to go to, uh, manga zone, uh, kiss manga because you didn't have everything at Jujutsu Kaisen. Is that my fault? That uh, is it? Is I'm to blame because I'm a pirater? But at the same time, I pay for your site and I want to use your site, but you don't give me the tools to use your site. Shonen yeah. Jump, you have to do better. Viz, you have to do better. I'm big on that. I'm big on like you can't blame me. Like, because the thing is, I feel like I'm very strong. I feel very strongly about that. Like, if I'm yeah, because we're money, creators. Like we, su- mm-hmm. like bro. We support creators. We are for the creators. I I pay for people's Patreons. I, I donate, like when Tekking does live streams, I donate money just because he makes good content and he provides me entertainment. I am for the creators. I want Oda to get paid. I want these mangaka to get paid. I want these people who drew the lines, who do the, the speech bubbles, these, these people who aren't mangaka yet, who, who do the producing jobs. I want y'all to get paid, but... It's not my fault if your corporate overlords have a flawed system and I'm paying and I can't get what I'm paying for. Yep. Because you give us the idea that, oh, we'll have everything. Also, I don't know if you know this, there's a chapter cap that if you read more than a certain amount of chapters on Shonen Jump, they stop you for the day and then you have to come back for your chapters to reload. I definitely didn't know that. That is wild. It's like over 150 or over 200. That's how much manga I read in one day. And then I couldn't read anymore. And it was like, bro, why? I pay for this. Exactly. Exactly. If if 199 is too cheap, charge more and I will pay for more features. At least make tiers and have this be the bottom tier. And that's what I like. 199 is for what we have now. 599, you, 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 uh, the date isn't the same. The date's the same, but you get more of the, you get the whole catalog. And then with 1099, you get the same day as Japan and the whole catalog. That's more money for y'all. Like, I don't get, like, sh- please, Shonen Jump. I know Richie Branson's on this episode. If, if, fun of me, if anybody connected can talk to Viz or sh- like, this is something that needs to happen. Facts. What were you going to say? Cause I saw you, uh, I forget what, it was something about, uh, something about, uh, having everything, there's the whole catalog and everything, but I forget what I was about to say. It was something about specifically having a whole catalog and like with the tiers and everything, but I forget exactly what it was. I make that five ninety nine. You, the date is still like, you don't get it the same day as Japan, the new oh, chapters, but you have the full catalog. I was going to say, I was going to say, um, also not to be nitpicky, you know what I'm saying? But, um, I know there's a lot of, a lot of the bootleg ass sites that have the, the single page and the more you scroll, like you know how they have the, the spreads? Yeah. They'll have the single page and then they'll have the, the uh oh, sideways. Yeah, they'll the have the spread. Sona Jump, they don't do the spread. You have to like scroll back and forth don't to see you, the whole spread. Can't I want to see turn the whole your phone spread. Sideways to see the full spread. That I'm not a hundred I don't Hold I'm not hundred percent sure. I'll let you know that real quick. But I don't know if you could even do it on the uh computer. I like to read a lot of um on the computer. Yeah, yeah I like see, to read a lot on the laptop. 
I didn't even, I don't even attempt to read on my computer. My ass just straight up on the phone. I've been reading Eden Zero on the laptop. That's like gas. Cause I, I bought every volume that's up, that's like out to date. You know what I'm saying? Especially cause has. Oh I've yeah, buying... look, Chris, so you turn it sideways, full spread. Okay, so I'm gonna have to fuck with that then. Cause yeah, I'm about to say, I usually read it. Are you just, you know what I'm saying? Cause I knew, I, I knew I saw full spreads. And speaking of, oh, I just gave a big one piece spoiler. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Oh no, I didn't even. I didn't oh even my gosh, I'm so I'm so sorry to everybody reading. I just gave a big <laughs> one piece spoiler. Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize. But look, this y'all do spread, not rewind. If y'all yeah, do not spoiled. rewind. Like I gave a huge spoiler, but this cover, best oh, yeah, one, gas. best one piece cover to date. Like gas pack, like sure. the colors of it, the way that Sanji looks, and then I saw, uh, I saw you reposted. Uh, Oda did a video of how he made it, bro. Oda's the man, gas. bro. The freaking man. Anything else you got before we get into our interview with Richie Branson? Ah, uh, nah, man. Just, oh, uh, I did hear uh, Yanko went on this fucking rampage and just spoiled a bunch of shit. These are not official announcements, but he spoiled a lot of shit. Like, he was talking about how Eden Zero manga in the works. Oh, we talked, about that, the, 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 works. we talked about that last week. We talked about that last episode? Yeah. Cause I ain't gonna lie, I've, that still feel fresh to me. I about feel like I... drops, yeah. Watch, because I got his brand new animal, BNA. Fire Force, Dragon Quest, God of High School, Eden Zero, Chainsaw Man, Act Age, Spy Family. Oh, yeah, you're right. We did talk about Chainsaw Man. I'm still hyped about that. Chainsaw Man, too. Like, I want to see the Chainsaw Man anime. I want to see the Eden Zero. Like, that's the two most hype. I think I've I've been about the anime in uh, in a long time. About all the new ones that are coming? Because Jujutsu Kaisen is my shit, too. I'm excited for that. JJK is number one, but of stuff that hasn't come yet, like out of the Eden Zero, Chainsaw Man, Act H, Spy Family, Fire Punch list, I think I'm the most hyped for Chainsaw Man than Spy Family. But I have started Eden Zero. I'm on like chapter three. I'm just going slow. And once I get to deep okay. in it, I'm going to let you know how I feel because I'm not ready to comment yet. But because I've yeah, been like, it takes you a while to get to the, not takes you a while, but like you got to get into it to get into it. That's like, why I didn't want to comment yet. Cause like the beginning is a little, all right. I, I see the friendshipness, but I need to see what makes it cool. So I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, but I'm caught up all the way. Let me tell you all the Shonen stuff I'm caught up on. This this shit is crazy. A, a lot of stuff. I'm caught up on one piece promise. Neverland. Oh, and promise. Neverland is about to end by the way. Uh, I'm caught up on my hero. I'm caught up on black clover. I'm caught up on Chainsaw Man. I'm caught up on JJK. I'm caught up on Mashal, Magic, and Muscles. I'm caught up on Spy Family. And probably my favorite one, my third favorite one behind One Piece in My Hero, Undead Unluck, brother. It is so good. Like, I love the story of Andy and, uh, oh, man, I can't believe I'm forgetting her name right now. Oh, bro, what's what, what's old girl's name? What's the little girl's name? Ah, I forgot. I've been on Eden Zero. I, I, I haven't read it in a while. I forgot her name. I just know Andy's name. Man, oh man, uh, I'm I can't believe I'm missing her name, and this is this is messing me up. But yeah, no, and Andy's. Oh, it's Fuko. Andy and Fuko. I love it. Shout out to uh Yoshi Fumi Tezuka. Yoshi Fumi. You are now one of the one of my new favorite mangaka. You're absolutely amazing. Also, Chris, when you get a chance, read My Hero Vigilantes. It's amazing. It's just as, <laughs> it, it's just as good as My Hero, it, but it's different. Fuck? Yeah, it's it's amazing, bro. And like the 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 crawler, the main hero, so cool, so so cool. His quirk at first you think it's just gliding, 
but it, it becomes something greater. And it's it's nuts. This story is amazing. You see Aizawa's young days. You see Fat Gum's young days. You see Midnight's young days. It's it's a really dope story. So what shout out to my fuck? hero vigilantes. But that's all we got for news today and telling y'all what we've been reading and watching. Uh, let's get into the interview with Richie Branson. And after the interview, we will be reviewing the latest episodes for Tower of God and Glipnir. So stick around for that review. But without further ado, let's get into the interview with Richie right now. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. And joining me today, we have a very, very special guest. Some would say, and I, and I, I have to agree, he, he is the one who originated this anime rap stuff. He is the, the first. We're joined by the legend himself, Mr. Richie Branson. How you doing today, Richie? I'm doing well, man. Just trying to, uh, just trying to stay alive, man. It's tough. Yeah, it's, it's, some, it's some rough times. Just real quick, how have you been during all of this corona stuff? I've been good. I've just been chilling, man, in, uh, in Texas, small town in Texas, just waiting it all out, man. Yeah, I understand that. That's same over here, small town in Louisiana, just trying to trying to make make it do what it do while while I'm at my house. So I feel that. I see you right next door, man, in the south. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's, it's yeah, it's an interesting time. Like you said, it's an interesting time to be alive, man. We just gotta. Just we're in we're, we're in a social studies class right now. Like we're living exactly. in a social studies like lecture. Like in 2050, 2060, they're gonna be kids learning about the pandemic and all the craziness that happened in the year 2020. Yeah, I know this, this, this chapter of the textbook is going to be a big one, you know? <laughs> and it's funny because I know you're a big sci-fi fan and anime fan. All the time we see in pop culture, 2020, we see like dystopian neon hover cars. We might not have the hover cars in neon, but we're, we're getting close to that dystopian type shit. Yeah. Yeah. We, we ride on the dystopian stuff. Uh, it's wild, like the Olympics were supposed to happen. They had to, you know, push that. that back. Yeah, and man. Uh, there goes the whole. I was gonna go out to Japan too and do the whole Akira. I'm here, Tokyo, 2020, and can't do it now, man. Just gotta... I, I was supposed to host a panel at Anime Expo. Super excited for that. Shit got canceled. Word. Yeah, Damn, man. yeah. And that's so, that's a big, you know, AX is huge. That would have been a good look for sure. That's, that's what I'm saying. And shout out to my guy Chris and my co-host of Anime Talk. We were gonna do that, but let's get let's get down to business. Uh, for those who don't know, like I said, you are one of the first people to really dive in this anime rap thing. So I want to ask you because I ask a lot of anime rappers how they feel about this. How do you feel about the term anime rapper? Because you use anime bars, but it's not like every line is an anime reference. You still make the songs feel like songs. And if you're not an anime fan, you can still vibe out to this music and get down with it. But if you know, if you understand certain references, then it just hits you 10 times harder. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> it's crazy because like when this whole thing kind of started for me, if, I mean, it's a funny story. I went through and um, I had made this, um, this song called Otaku King. This was like a million years ago, man. This is like and it's eight not years ago. It's not Otaku King 5. because No, no, this okay, is just okay. the first one, which in hindsight, like the first one, it was leagues below like where they are now. But I did this song and it was a whole bunch of people in the comments on YouTube. This is when like the stuff was like new. They're just like, he's not a real Otaku. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So then I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to drop a, a rap every week based on a different anime. Okay. So 
the first one I did was Space Cowboy Serenade, and it was like um, Cowboy Bebop themed. And then I went to, I think I did, what did I do after that? Uh, no, it's crazy. Right after that, I think I did, I can't remember the anime. I think I don't remember the, the exact order of the originals, but I did a couple. I think I did Gurren Laga next, and then I did uh, this song called Bring Back Toonami because Toonami had did that April Fool's joke when they, you know, they aired, uh, you know, uh, a run of Toonami on April Fool's Day. And, everyone and then like, just oh left. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. Coming back. And it was just April Fool's joke. So I was I'm like, not- you know, I think I'm going to do a song and just kind of like request that they bring that shit back for real. Like, because Tsunami was like something that I grew up on. And so to, you know, see that happen, it just brought back so much nostalgia for me. So I wrote the song. I think the, like the next day, Adult Swim called me. This was like, what? Like Adult Swim, well, they emailed me and then they called me and they were like, yo, we like that song. We would like to use it on a bump. And I was like, word. So go ahead. <laughs> this was like three weeks into the whole Otaku Tuesday anime rap stuff. And now the stuff is on Adult Swim, like that quick. Like it was the ascension was so crazy, man. So I dropped that. I didn't know the bigger picture that they had in mind, but like two weeks later, they announced they were bringing back Tsunami. Oh, snap. Like, yeah, so I guess they figured, like, well, yo, this dude did a song about it. We might as well use it for promo. Yeah. And they actually announced the return of it. So I wrote another song called uh, Bring Back... No, it's called Toonami's Bag Bitches. I wrote that song and just sent it to them, like, hey, I wrote this song, too. You guys mm-hmm. could use it for a commercial or whatever. And they ended up... I didn't know this was going to happen. I, they didn't. They said nothing. They just said thank you. But on the first episode when they brought Toonami back, they actually used it for the first like run of Toonami. They used it as a theme song. So Damn, that's I, legendary. I'll never I was in Houston. I just did a show and I was I was at the hotel and I turned on Toonami and I see, you know, the the absolution, you know, flying in. And the next thing you know, I hear my beat. I'm like, wait, what? And then I hear me <laughs> rapping. And yo, that was like anything that I've done ever since will never compare to that one moment. It was Man, like, how do you feel? Uh, how old are you at the time? Just to, just to, uh, I was like, like 25. Okay. So I'm old. I'm old as hell. So. Being a 25 year old who grew up with Toonami and mm. understands like without Toonami, Americans might not be anime fans like we are today. And knowing the legacy of Toonami, how important was that for you for when they get back that it's like, yo, my song gets to be the theme song. And and whether or not this is the case or not, whether or not uh, you're the reason why they brought it back or whatever, but in the lexicon of things, you send them the April Fool's song and then they come back and then the day it comes back, your song is the is the theme song. How how do how does a 25 year old you feel in that moment? It was, um, I've never felt the same since. I've had a lot of crazy successes happen since then, but that moment will always like supersede everything else I've done because it was like, you know, it's like if you're a kid and you grew up wanting to be in the NBA, but all of a sudden you get to play one-on-one with Jordan. Yeah. Hey, Bubby, what do you got? So, sorry, that's my son. (laughs) Oh, no, you good, man. But, um, that moment, it was just like that to me. It was one of those moments where I got to be a part of something that I grew up idolizing. And so, um, 
for me, that was, I don't know, man. Like I said, it was like, I was drunk when it happened. I was so drunk in the hotel room to see that happen. It was like, wow, this really came true, you know? And after that, I actually got to produce some beats for some Adult Swim um, tsunami bumps. So like, even to this day, like you'd be watching tsunami and you're just randomly hearing Richie Branson beat on there. Like that's, that's lady. So there's some other things I want to get to, but let's let's bring them back for the people that don't know who Richie Branson is. Tell us how you got into rap. Give us some of your give us your little you know how in the back of the books they have the little blurb blurs. Give us your little story to get us up to date on how you got into rap and give us some of your influences. Okay. So while I'm moving, I'm gonna relocate this party upstairs. But um, the way I got started was uh. I was a producer first, so I started um, as a music producer. So I was making beats, and uh, eventually, me and my cousin, we started a production company called Red Prodigy. Okay. And uh, we were just making beats and doing that whole thing. Let me cut this fan down real quick so you can hear me better. So. Oh no, no worries. Yeah, I'm hiding out with the fan, man. It's uh. I get it. A lot going on, but anyway, so I was in uh. I was living in San Antonio, Texas at the time, just making beats, doing all that stuff. And um, eventually, we linked up with this artist uh, named Bone, really dope, really dope artist. And we were producing beats for him, and he ended up getting a record deal with Def Jam. So all of a sudden, you know, we go from a situation where we were like, nobody's just making beats. And now we're actually making singles. For someone at Def Jam. Exactly. So uh, first single dropped, the charted Billboard. It did very well. And next thing you know, like, our whole lives were about to change, man. Like, we were looking at Lambos and and just kind of really feeling like shit was about to be different. And all of a sudden, we realized we had signed a bad production contract. So, like... (laughs) We literally went through a situation where, you know, we thought we was about to be rich and famous as producers. And next thing you know, like, we were pretty much asked out on whatever money we thought we was going to make. So that sucked. And went through a period of time where I was real depressed about it. And then eventually I said, fuck it, I'm going to just start rapping on my own beats. Now, I was a trash rapper. (laughs) when I started and a lot of people a lot of my peers were like man you should just stick to making beats bro like leave the rapping for the professionals man and so like I don't you know I understand that's just how it is when you're first starting out but yeah. eventually it you gotta get your 10,000 hours man you like that's the thing like I'm glad you stuck with it because if you didn't then some of the things that you've accomplished doesn't get to happen it's like just because you're not good at something at first doesn't mean you can become good at it Exactly. So for me, it was exactly that. So I got my practice in, started, um, you know, really just sticking to it. And I went through this phase where I was making just trash, like pop, pop rap music. And if you really search on YouTube, you'll find this shit. And it's so (laughs) terrible. So if you guys want to know about that, just search Richie Branson and you'll see it. But eventually, um, it's crazy. I was actually playing Star Wars The Old Republic, right? Okay. So I'm playing this game, one of my favorite games at the time. I'm addicted. I go to take a shit, and while I'm shitting, I hear the theme song playing while the game was paused. And the theme song was real dope. Like, it had this just crazy just vibe, and I was like, I have to sample that. 
so I made a beat sampling it. And then I decided like, nah, I should really rap on this shit. I'm a huge Star Wars nerd. I love Star Wars. So for me, it was the first opportunity that I ever had to really be able to rap about what I wanted to rap about, as opposed to just rapping just for the sake of rapping, yeah. Factoring music that people in the industry I thought would want to hear, right? So mm -hmm. I put it out and this is when like video game and anime rap was so new that it ended up getting on a whole bunch of game blogs. And I'm like, oh, this is dope. So like, I think it got like 20,000 views in a day, really? far more than anything else I'd ever put out. And I was like, damn, okay, maybe I should uh, be myself more often. Yeah. So um, I dropped a whole mixtape about Star Wars, the old Republic called Cold Republic. And it, it did pretty well. Like a lot of people was feeling it. I was getting my subscribers up. So then I was like, you know what? Let me actually shift gears. This was 2012 around February. I was like, let me shift gears and start rapping about what I really love, which is anime. So I came, <laughs> I dropped this Gundam rap song called uh, Wing Memories, a sample in okay. uh Sampling, I think, just communication from Gundam Wing. It was dope, man. I, I still love that song. I don't like the like the genesis of anime rap was kind of corny, like in terms of just like it was kind of a mix of a lot of things. Well, it didn't get corny to me. Like that song actually wasn't corny, but the corniness to me was when I was like, let me like exclusively do book report, like let me rap about this whole anime. Um from beginning to end type shit. And that's like, all right, it was cool. It was cool for the time and I love yeah. doing it, don't get me wrong. But eventually I kind of like had to grow out of that a little bit as a lyricist, because it's like, to me, it's one thing to rap from the perspective of Zex Marquis, which that's my guy, man. That was the first song I did that with where I was actually rapping in character was Zex Marquis. So I'm doing this Zex rap. And it's dope. I still love that song to this day. It's called Murky's Dreams. But eventually, you know, it got to a point where I was like, all right, as a rapper who loves anime, you've kind of got one or two ways you could really approach this whole situation, right? One is you can rap from the perspective of your favorite characters. And that's cool. There's actually a lane for that now. Uh, it's actually become a really popular thing to do. And I yeah, respect it, it. It's like, it's dope. Like, don't get me wrong. It's good. And then there's the other side of it where it's like, you can rap about like, I think the best way I describe it is there's two forms of anime rap, right? Like there's the form where it's like, all right, I'm a rap from the perspective of Goku. Yeah. The whole song is going to be me as Goku. And I'm going to talk about whooping Freeze's ass, being in that hyperbolic chamber, coming back after I got killed by the heart disease and going Super Saiyan 3 and beating Vegeta's ass when he had the Majin M on his forehead. Like, yeah, you could do that. Or I could, like, you could treat it like that. Or, like, what, what I try to do now is I try to make music as if, like, me and you were just chilling, you know, at the crib, shooting the shit, smoking weed or whatever, and Dragon Ball Z just happens to be on in the background. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you get, like, more of a vibe, like... I realized that I wanted like my audience to like know who I am in in the context of like anime and shit. So it's like 
that's why now like my bars are more like you mentioned they're more about me like you're getting to know me we're shooting the shit yeah i just happen to like anime so yeah exactly song and you might see a fucking you know (laughs) initial d poster in the room or a fucking you know, Gun the Wing might be playing on the background, and and those those will end up being incorporated in the song as bars. But you know, I felt like as an artist, I wanted people to know who I was, what I like to do, should yeah. I like, you know, be more so introspective. Because I, I honestly, not to cut you off, I think the way that you're talking about is the better way. Because I the the in when you look at anime rap, the other way is kind of the way that's like parodies almost, and it's like. Mm-hmm. It's not taken seriously by the industry. It's not really taken seriously by anime fans. It's kind of just something that, oh, this is cool, but I'm not going to play this in my car. It's like a one-time instance. And I think we see with people like you, uh, Chris SJE, Otaku God, Slick. Niggas is dope, man. Yeah, man, those are my niggas. Like, they turned it into this where it's like... Those three dudes you just named, bro, like, no bullshit. Like, Because like I said, my background originally was like on industry shit, like really producing, having an ear for what was hot in the industry. Them three dudes, yeah, they're, they are going to be the bridge that really yeah. takes this shit from sort of this like bubbling community on SoundCloud, Twitter, and YouTube, and into like some shit where it's like, niggas gonna have Lambos and shit, like no bullshit. And can like, go I really tour. believe in them like that. No, and, 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 and I think, the wave that you started with that way and, and it leads to growth and seeing these guys and seeing the new culture. And I think that's the way that anime rap needs to be instead of the, I rap from the perspective of I'm Goku or I'm uh, Vash the Stampede. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's crazy because I have friends who do that. You know what I'm saying? And, they and no disrespect too. to them. And, and yeah, that's no, no, that's no right. disrespect. No, no. Exactly. It's a good conversation to have. Like, And it is no disrespect. Like, It's not for me. It's yeah. not. And I don't think, and to your point, like... I do think that that particular method, it's like, it's got its own lane, especially on YouTube. Like the YouTube game on that is bananas. It's nuts. (laughs) Niggas getting like 500,000 views and shit doing it. So there's definitely an audience that eats it up. But to me, looking outside of that. I don't know if you can go tour doing that. Yeah, you could do like conventions and shit, but like going on like, tour international like really like tearing it up on a on a big like on a big like just i don't know how to describe it. it's not like it's not big like some of these dudes got a lot of followers and subscribers but that clout is limited it's very limited to the platform that they're on yep. is the best way i could say it like for what i'm trying to do and what i, I see the new wave as being is like it's not limited to one platform it's like you could and and I know like there's a struggle with it because when I was doing that shit on YouTube and like it was kind of that rat race like YouTube specifically is a rat race in that you have to play to the algorithm so every nice. week you got to drop some new shit and you kind of force yourself into that like all right I'm catering to this YouTube audience I built and you kind of get stuck so like the best thing that I ever did was kind of shifted away from the focus on YouTube and started thinking all right. How could I make music that people will appreciate no matter what? Like on, on a bigger level than just, I like fucking Dragon Ball and I want to listen to this Goku rap, damn it. Yeah. That's cool. There's, you know, but that, I, I, that's a, a very, it's a very niche crowd in terms of like, I, right, you know what I'm saying? Like these people are going to listen to this at this moment. They're going to share it with their buddies. But 
they don't fuck with rap. You know what I'm saying? And it's like the worst thing that I can hear from anybody who supports my music is if they say, I don't fuck with rap, but I fuck with you. Mm-hmm. That to me breaks my heart because it's like, I'm a rapper, damn it. Like, I'm not some side little, you know, I'm yeah. a rapper for like, real. You're, so, you're an artist, like legit. So if you fuck with my music, it's because you fuck with rap. But I don't want my, like, I, it, was, it, was, it was a struggle. Like when I switched gears, like I felt like I was losing like the fans that I had built on YouTube. And they're like, Richie, when are you going to do that? We need another, uh, we need a rap from the perspective of insert anime character here. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, well, I mean, uh, I'm not I'm really doing, doing this that. now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it kind of, I know there's some people who are like, damn, Richie kind of switched up. But the the things that have happened since have been for the better. Um, I got to do the soundtrack for this show called Camp Camp. And it's crazy because the way that they put it when I was doing the soundtrack, when they hired me to do it, they were like, we like the fact that you can implement punchlines about specific property without being in the character or whatever. So like, to me, I was like, wow, really? So that opened up that opportunity. Then they followed up and I was able to do some music for the soundtrack at Jinlock, which yeah, was- Yeah, uh, I was about to, uh, that was something yeah. that I definitely want to talk to you about. How was, so, how was that? Cause that, I really like that anime, seeing Michael B. Jordan, seeing Rooster Teeth put that together. I, and, yeah. and when I, when I first watched it, I didn't know you did that. And hearing the soundtrack, it is amazing, man. Word, word, appreciate it, man. Yeah, that was uh, that was an honor because when they announced the show, I was like, "Yo, I need to be in that somehow." Uh, but I never, you know, I'm not the type of person to reach out to do stuff, so I wasn't like, "Yo, Rooster Teeth, what's up? Let me." But it was just one day I got the email like, "Hey, we would like you to do some raps for Jinlock," and I was like, "Yo, let's go." Man. So. Um, if I had to say anything, Rooster Teeth is the greatest ever, man. Like that, their their business, their company is like family to me. You know what I'm saying? And they've like appreciated the work I do in a way that I've never felt dealing with record labels. You know what I'm saying? And so I would be remiss if I didn't shout them out for like all the stuff that they for me. But um, suffice to say, like, yeah, like they specifically want shit that sounds dope, but is not in universe if you will so that was validation for me to say well damn yeah what the i'm switch doing, up was worth it yeah what i'm doing is kind of saying all right you know what i'm saying this is my life and this is the shit that i like to do here's the anime bar for you you know what i'm saying <laughs> like it, it, it just works like that man it's such a it's such a beautiful thing to be able to like and it's not easy either it's not it's not an easy thing to be able to weave like a whole bunch of weed content into your flow without it sounding corny, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Or without it sounding too in a specific lane that you'll never be able to break out with, which is why I have like the utmost respect for Chris, uh, Otaku God and Slick. Cause they're able to just, their shit like sounds so fucking dope, man. Like, I've been listening to their shit a lot. I'm like, man, these niggas go. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like they, they really go. Like they rap. They rap, rap. You know what I'm saying? And so, they won't necessarily get the YouTube like the specific fan that's like, well, I want you to rap 
from the perspective of Pikachu or some shit. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm saying? Which, like I said, that's a that's a, a nice lane to be in. Like, I mean, it's, it's dope. And it, it takes a whole other type of talent to be able to pull to that, that shit yeah. off in a way. It just depends on what your dreams are. Yeah, you know, it just depends. But for me, like I said, self-expression is the biggest part of like, what my music was. And I don't want to be in the position where I've built this crazy fan base that wants to hear me like put on these different outfits, but I don't, you don't ever get to see me. It's like a cosplayer, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like cosplayers, like they, they get props for how well they're able to interpret other people's characters. But there's a feeling that comes with that of like, well, damn, what if I like, Make my own shit. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how are you going to give me the same attention if I if I did this? And a lot of times it don't translate. A lot of times it's like, well, what is this shit you're wearing? I want to see you cosplaying as Faye Valentine. What the fuck? You know what I'm saying? And so, it's that trade off, man. And it's just whatever spectrum you want to be on. It just it's just completely up to to what your dreams are. But the cats that do it. They do it well too. Like that's why I say it's like two lanes to this shit. And either lane is viable, but the lane that I wanted to be on is the lane that kind of takes this into more of something where, you know, the mainstream is like really fucking with it. And that you're building like clout that's not just on one platform, but it's it's across the board. Yeah. Um, it's sustainable and and it, and it invites non like it invites like everybody in together. Like that's the thing. There's two extremes to this fan base you know you've got fans that are either anime heads who fucking hate hip-hop or hip-hop heads who fucking hate anime yeah and how do you bridge that gap you know what i'm saying right now there are people that cater to one side or the other you know it's like i'm just gonna make rap music and not throw any anime references because my fans don't fuck with that or i'm gonna rap entirely in character because my fans do not want to fuck with any hip-hop. rap that sounds like rap you know yeah. they want that that Goku shit. So how do you bridge it right in the middle? And that's sort of been, I guess, the mission, at least not so much of a mission, but I just wanted to plant the seed. Like, what does rap sound like from the perspective of an anime head that doesn't, you know, that that's that's authentic to the culture? You know what I'm saying? It's really like, oh, this nigga really does fuck with anime. But it's also like this nigga's really being himself too. Like he's and not. He's a, he's a real hip hop artist. It's not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not. And I. And when I say this, this is no disrespect, but it's just the way that I, I I can phrase it. It's not necessarily a gimmick. It's it's something that's sustainable, and it's something that's that you're basically doing MF Doom in a sense. You're you're being Doom like. You're being because we've seen it before. RZA like. It's 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 being a, a artist where you're getting introspective. You're telling you about your life while making it relatable with anime bars instead of just telling the anime character's life. Exactly. Perfect analogy. Because, um, yeah, man, like, that's the timeless shit. Because with even, like, when you put yourself in the wave of having to cater to a specific audience, the algorithms control everything you do. You, You have to make decisions based completely on algorithm. Well, which anime is hot this week? Uh... Mm-hmm. Fuck, I guess I gotta watch this anime because that's what all the kids are talking about. That's what's trending. Let me make a song about the main character and that shit because that's what people want to hear. So you always sort of have to follow the, the wave. Yep. Exactly. And instead of setting your own waves. Exactly. And so what really kind of put me in that mind state is when I got sick. I had thyroid cancer, man. Like, Damn. 
yeah, three years ago now, I think. <laughs> Feels like it's so long ago, man. But during that time, I really could not rap, bro, because they had to cut my neck open and take all the shit out. Like, Jeez. It, was, it was a time where, like, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, which was rap and do what I wanted to do. So I had to figure out, like, well, how do I stay relevant? And so imagine an artist trying to figure out how to stay relevant, and his number one tool is, like, gone. You know what I'm saying? So you really get creative and you get MacGyver with the shit. And so for me, it was like, well, let me start editing videos and making memes and shit. So I would start making memes. Um, I did like, I, I put Floyd Mayweather in a street fighter once and like that shit went viral. I fucking made a video where I was getting robbed by Squirtle. That shit went viral. Like all kinds of just like, different shit to keep the videos. wave going yeah exactly and, and it, it sort of put me in the in the mind frame of like provide the wave don't ride the wave but provide the wave so i started being a wave provider although it was not musical it was still the mentality of like what could i do to break the internet and get a whole bunch of attention you know what i'm saying so yeah. for me it was just coming up with all these stupid ass crazy funny videos and eventually it paid off i got hired by uh bleacher report to make funny ass videos for them and it was like that was crazy because at the time i was broke i was man i was so fucking broke sick broke like that's the worst combination that you could be and it was like one day i got a phone call that changed everything i went from being broke to not being broke <laughs> like, yeah you know and so for that transition to happen and to be in a place where now it was weird because I had to put my brand on the back seat to because to, now I'm working for, for someone else. Brand. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm getting like, I probably done got like 500 million views doing Bleacher Report shit, but you wouldn't know it, you know. But the point is being in a company that is in the business of being in front of everybody else and setting waves, I learned so much from that. And so now it's like coming back to the music shit. It's like, oh, this shit about to be a breeze. Like, you'd you have know, been through the trials. I'm, exactly. It was like so your training like, arc. Yep, yep. It was my training arc for sure. It was a whole fucking arc of me just making content and figuring out ways to make, you know, dope shit. So I guess you could say, like, where I'm at now with it is like, I see the wave, I see the direction that this shit is headed. And like I said, those dudes, man, they got it, bro. Like, we're going to come back to this podcast. It may be a year from now. It may not even take that long. It may be a couple of years. It may, whatever. But we're going to come back to those, this podcast and remember, like, yo, we called that shit. And you're going to see niggas going to be on tour. They're going to be doing all that shit, bro, because they got the sound, bro. Yeah. And it's, it's like, what I want to do, like, like I said, I'm old, man. I'm an old man now. So it's like. How could I sort of like help facilitate that shit? And I think a lot of it's going to be just the knowledge that I learned from Bleacher Report on how to package content, how to release it. And like, if nothing else, man, I just want to drop that knowledge on them. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah, we'll do some, we'll do records. We're going to do some records together too. But like, the main thing is I just want to tell these dudes like, hey, this is the key. This is the blueprint on how you can get your shit out and like really make waves. Cause they have the type of sound that'll definitely get attention, you know, definitely get blog placements, all that shit, man. Like they got it. So it's like, just 
focusing the fire in the right direction. You know? And being that that master Roshi for a Goku, being that uh Urahara for the Ichigo, being the Jiraiya for the Naruto of these exactly. three individuals. No, that's dope, man. I really, I really, I really fuck with that. I want to ask you because, and this is something while we're talking about dropping gems and stuff, I want to ask you what. What advice would you give? Because you were honest and said about being in that fucked up producer contract. And that's a lot of conversation that's going on right now. And hip hop is about fucked up contracts, uh, not owning your masters, getting in 360s. We saw what happened with Meg The Stallion and that deal that, that went down. Talk, Give us some advice about dealing with contracts and, and just about that situation. Don't sign shit <laughs> without a lawyer. B. Facts. <laughs> don't do it. I don't care if that lawyer costs you some fucking money. Get a payday loan and pay that motherfucker to read that shit, bro. I don't give a shit. Don't sign shit without legal counsel. One, that's the main, main thing I can tell you. But two, man, if somebody is giving you a contract and they're saying, hey, we're going to throw some bread at you. We want this thing. You have something that's worth something. You know yeah, yeah. Don't sign the first shit that comes to your your desk, bro. Like, don't feel that desperate. Because at the end of the day, if you believe in the art that you're creating, you know that if Atlantic comes knocking on your door, that you could just as easily get Interscope to come knocking at your door. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like, believe in yourself. Funny story. The guy that uh, we produced for, um, Bone, he's a good guy. Um, before he got signed with Def Jam. Um, about two months before that, the artist who, um, well, not the artist, this uh, executive named Mimph Hits, um, big time record dude. He was responsible for a lot of like dope ass music uh, in the 2010s, to late 2000s era, right? So he approached us and said he wanted to buy the song that, that my friend had created he wanted to buy the entire song and give it to his artist, um, the dude who did Holly Berry. He wanted to mm. give it to him for, for it to be his next single, right? Fucking Hurricane so, Chris. <laughs> exactly. So that song is called Homegirl. It, and you're in Atlanta, so I know you probably heard the song. Well, no, Louis, he, yeah, yeah, I'm from Louisiana, and that's where he's from. That's why I know I know what you're talking because that's why when you said Myth Hits, that name sounded so familiar. Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. So that whole like it was a, it was a it was a Louisiana ba- bounce sample, the Trigger Man sample, the do 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 do. So it was it was a hot sound back then. And so like they wanted to buy the song and have another artist rap on it, and they were gonna throw like thirty bands and like you know a little publishing rights or whatever. But other than that, like no, that was, that was no longer gonna be his song. Everybody, we we had like a little team, right? And we was all voting on like whether or not to do it. And I ain't gonna lie, like I was like, yeah, hell yeah, let's get that, let's get that thirty real quick. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Everybody was like, let's get that thirty. But Bone, he said, no, I'm not gonna take that. No, I believe in this song. This is my record, and no, damn it, I believe this shit's gonna take us to the top. And to his credit, shit, I want to say like three months later, this nigga was on a jet headed to New York to meet with L.A. Reid to sign the Def Jam off that song. Crazy. So I say that to say. Don't take the first shit that comes to you, man. Like, like I said, man, if you could get one, you could get more. So it's like a lot of people make that mistake. They feel like this is my one chance. This is all the chance I'm going to get. My whole talent is just revolved around this one opportunity. 
it's not necessarily true. You have leverage, use it. You know what I'm saying? And it ain't gotta be turning down the shit. It just needs to be like, hey, is this the best that I could get? Yeah, is this the best deal possible? Exactly. So that's all. You know, you 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 have to believe in yourself. But three, and and it's crazy. Like now with all the self-publishing tools you have available, you don't have to sign a record deal. That's what I was gonna ask you. How do you feel about being staying independent? It's actually better now to be like that because you have nobody in your pocket. You own all your publishing, like publishing, especially if you get some shit that's just booming on the radio. Yeah, yeah. The more that you keep, like the publishing checks are no yeah, joke. They, they're huge. <laughs> yo, they're no joke. Like you can, you can, you can, yo, you can change your life with the publishing check. But all that to say, like, the more independent, the longer you could stay independent and sustain yourself, the better. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like raising cattle. You know what I'm saying? Like people buy like the cow, the cow when it's like a baby. This is some Texas shit because I've been in Texas for so damn long now. But you know, you buy the cow when it's a baby. Some people sell it when it's like three months old. They're like, nah, I'm just gonna sell it when it weighs 30 pounds. Some people are like, nah, I'm gonna sell it when it's 100 pounds. But it's the motherfuckers who wait all the way until that cow is like 700 pounds and take that shit to the market. They get the most bread. Yep. So like you got to look at your music like that. This is your this is your baby cow. You know what I'm saying? Do you want to sell your baby cow for chump change when it's like 30 pounds cuz it's all based on weight. You know yep. what I'm saying? It's like, all right, we're paying $3 a pound, so here's 90 bucks. You know what I'm saying? Or do you want to wait till that cow gets to full growth? Now, it takes a lot more effort and a lot more, you know, investment to to really build your shit up to that level, but the longer you wait before cashing out, the more your brand's going to be worth it. You know what I'm saying? And also, just to, just to go into that, it's like you got you to gotta wait. Like, And if you go in the long route, you got to wait long enough to where it, it's built up to where you when you push that button, is the right time and you can recoup as much. But you got to know when not to wait too long because if you wait too long, you might burst your bubble. Yeah, it's definitely a... Um... It's definitely a thing that's like, what what is the best route to take, right? Like, are you going to do this shit too early? Or are you going to wait? You know, so it's, it's all about timing at the end of the day, right? You have to be able to time your shit to where, sorry, I'm all searching for shit. You got to be able to time your shit, you know, to the right point. Because if you wait too long, you're right, you'll miss the bubble. So it's very important to know the difference and to be able to analyze and accept like all right let me do this shit here let me try it like this yeah let me figure out the ways to to go i got a question for you what would you say being that you're a rapper and producer which one do you prefer more um that's a good question uh if i had to guess or if i had to make a decision I don't know, man. I like making beats. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you, man. Making beats is cool. Yeah, you being know? the composer of the sound. and I got a question. Being that, being producers, I always like to hear their takes on this question. When you're a producer, I feel that the, the artist's voice is just as much as an instrument as the different synths, keyboards, and drums, and all the different things you put in it. How important is it to you to make it to where you don't want to overcomplicate the music to take away from the artist's voice because I feel like the producers who are the best at it 
maybe more a little more minimalist, but that's because they're trying to highlight the voice of the artist. Yeah, I think as a producer, it's extremely important to produce to the voice that you you kind of hear the artist, yeah. you know, like if you're producing, that's why I like, I like tight producing, like this is a Drake type beat or this is a so-and-so type beat because those beats are created to fit the exact type of artist that, you know, is visualized. So if it's a Drake beat type beat, it's going to have certain elements that are, are more or less like catered towards, um, an artist that has more of a melodic type of range to it, if that makes sense. Yeah. But, um, so that's why, like, I don't like, and I, I don't like, you know, there, it used to be like that back in the day where, like, music, and it kind of reminds me of the Baroque era of, of music, classical music, where everything was, like, overdone. Yeah. And, like, a million harpsichords and a million this and a million that. But it was, like, eventually, and I, I like the less is more that we're in now. Like even music, if you look back like 10 years ago, hip hop, was it like 2010? Yeah. The beats were like extra. Like it was Super all these snare runs. Yeah. <laughs> like all that shit. And that's cool. You know what I'm saying? Don't get me wrong. That's all great. But I like the fact that now beats are giving more space for the artist to be able to be that instrument that you talk about. Like, yep. So as a producer, I do appreciate that part of it more. Plus, as a producer, I could be 80 years old and, you know. Still be making good. bangers. <laughs> yeah. But as an artist, it's a, I don't know, it's a little hard. Like, I feel, I'm, I'm ancient in rap years, man. Like, I'm, it's, I'm a, <laughs> it's crazy because if you look at any other genre, country, uh, rock, they embrace the older people as they get older, whereas rap is seen as this young man's game. And that's why I think Jay-Z's 444 was so important because it shows oh, you can be you can be 40 plus 50 and still make hits and still be at the forefront of hip hop. Exactly. And it's like Jay-Z is and 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 to your point, like it is weird that we sort of look at we embrace youth so much in rap, man. And that's not a bad thing, but it is a thing where we start to like disage. Like it's like yeah. you got young rappers that'll diss an artist for being too old. And it's like, damn, why can't why can't age? I can't control that shit. <laughs> so that's probably the next wave I'm gonna start, you know what I'm saying? Like just being an old motherfucker who still raps <laughs> and making that shit dope. But like, um, yeah, man, it's like it's it's really rap is just an interesting it's just an interesting form of music, man. All the way around, from the age dynamic to all the different styles, you know. And I think that's one thing that we we probably should strive to do, like, and that's why I kind of embrace um, the anime rap as like a subculture, if you will, because in other forms of music, you've got like there's no such thing as just rock. You yeah. can't just embrace rock as just rock. There's classical rock. There's progressive rock. There's metal. There's there's even subgenres of metal. Shit. There's death metal. There's speed metal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it, rap music deserves that same respect. You know, yeah. like, it's a lot of hip-hop purists who look down on mumble rap, and it's like, well, it's a subgenre. It's, it's exactly. a type of rap. And you either like it or you don't. Just like metalheads don't really like punk rap, but they're both viable and excellent genres of music. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Exactly. 
So I, I think that we should respect our craft with the with the same level. Like, no, this is this type of rap. This is that type of rap. And I think that if you do that, you're able to open up all these exploratory genres like otaku rap, where it's like, all right, well, this is rap that's sort of like based on this subject matter or this type of thing. You know what I'm saying? And so that's why I feel it's so important. That's why I love the fact that artists are embracing that shit. They're not just looking at it like, oh, this shit, what the fuck is this? Like people are really embracing anime yeah. as rappers and saying, I am an anime rapper or I am an otaku rapper. I think that's so dope. Um, but on the other side of it, I'm also glad that, because yeah, like I said, it goes back to the two extremes. You know, you've got some people that will make that but they will not embrace hip-hop culture they'll be like i'm i'm rap about anime but i don't fuck with hip-hop culture the culture of it i don't fuck with whatever but i like when people can rap about what the fuck they want to rap about and put anime side by side with it you know what i'm saying if you want to rap about you know what i'm saying having some lick money and you got some fucking Naruto bars in that bitch. That to me is actually fucking dope. You know, what yeah, I'm saying? it's super you cool. Selling weed and fuck you, you got some you know fucking Gundam bars in there. That's <laughs> that's fucking dope. Yes, you know sir. Like, so like to me, like being able to blend those two worlds effortlessly. One, I like it because it shows you that there's no stereotypical look to an anime fan. There's, we don't have to imagine anime fans as just being like these pasty kids that stay in the house and don't do shit. Like, exactly. Nah, like you could be all shapes and colors. You could be hood. You could be preppy. It, it's, it's all encompassing, man. Like, Facts. and I think the, the, the strides that like Krista and, and Otaku God and Slick, they're making that, that they're bridging that gap. To yep. where they're saying like, you know, them niggas could, them niggas would be dope rappers if they didn't mention anime at all. At all, they, exactly. They would be dope. But the fact that they're doing that, given like their skill set and look, that's impressive, man. Like that's something that, that's what's going to get kids to be like, hey, I fuck with that cool motherfucker and he likes the same shit I do. Like that's yep. like some, that's some real deep shit. That's why I like when like kids will tell me all the time, like, wow, you like the same shit I like and you cool. You know what I'm saying? Like exactly. you got all the cool pop culture trimmings going on. And you fucking sit down and watch some fucking, you know, crunchy roll. That's fucking tight. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. it, it shows that the stare is it's like you said, just because I'm an anime fan doesn't mean that I'm this pasty nerd that just plays D&D, sits in my house. No, I'm a sneakerhead. I like hoops. I'm a I, I, I love rap music. Like I, I go out. But at the same time, I'm coming in my house and you best believe I'm, I might crank out. 12 episodes of Trigon. Like, that's just, how, that's just how it is. Exactly. It? You know what I, I'm saying? No, I fuck with that heavy. So it's like being able to tell people, like, you know, you could be, you know, this type of person, and when you come home, you could be this type of person. It allows it allows people to feel like they have a space in this, no matter what they look like. Yep. And, and, and I think it's important, like, to the culture especially for like our people to be able to express themselves exactly and not have to code switch. Like that was my biggest issue coming into the game was like, I really felt like, and, and I'm, I'm, that's why I really appreciate these dudes, man. Cause when I came into it, it was such an unknown territory. And I was I like, bet. man, all my fans is white. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, damn, like I can't really be all the way, the way I want to be. Like, and the I crazy thing said, is, that there's so many black anime fans and it just 
for some reason in the early 2000s, it was like they wanted to hide it. But now I think that's something that with the 2010s brought our people are not afraid to be themselves. And it's like, yes, I'm black, but I don't have to be the stereotypical hood dude. And even if I am that, I can still love anime shit that doesn't just because I like anime, uh, Star Wars, comics, whatever it may be, that that doesn't determine who I am as a person. That's just one part of me. Exactly. And so that's why, like, you know, I was like my early shit, like, I shit. When I first started, I wasn't cussing in those songs. I was, you know, it was like, I'm going to rap straight about the anime. There's not going to be a cuss word. I'm not going to show these people that I'm actually a nigga. Like, <laughs> and so... Shit, like I wouldn't, you know, and it was crazy because I wouldn't rap in the way that I would rap if I was making a song outside of that. You know what I'm saying? So for me, it was sort of like, and it's always been that conundrum. And it's even still to this day shit that I haven't really done that I should probably just say fuck it and do. You know what I'm saying? But it's like, for me, it's been a gradual, like I went so far down that rabbit hole of like, let me make these raps because because in my head I was like, okay, it's a whole bunch of like white people digging this shit. So let me make sure I'm cleaning my shit up. And so like having to walk back on a lot of that has been a journey. It's been like years of like, all right, let me start saying shit in songs. Or, let me start <laughs> saying fucking songs. Or, let me let out a bitch or two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So now I think I finally reached the point where my shit is just dope. You know what I'm saying? And no. there's no like necessarily like having to think about like the audience. It's just like, this is my shit. If you like it, you like it. In perfect transition, I think you showed that very masterfully 12 days ago when you dropped Imperfect King. Talk to me about that track and just did you produce it and just give me a vibe because you had one bar in there that I really like because I wrote down the stuff that, gotta do my research. You said, uh, if you should die before your album gets released, you believed in those that believed in you. How, yeah, what does that bar mean to you? Well, it just means like, cause like I started this album, man, 2015. I had uh, did a Kickstarter for it. I was like, yeah, guys, I'm about to drop this album. Oh, it's going to be dope. Give me some money. We're going to make it happen. And then I got sick. Yeah. And so when I got sick, like I couldn't rap. So like, it just was the journey back from that. I mean, I got sick, had surgery, had, I still have nerve damage from that shit. So it's like, it's, I was gonna ask you about that because like, you said in a song you said about the nerve damage and, and shit hasn't been the same since 2016. Yeah, it hasn't been, you know what I'm saying? But it's like I'm just trying to do my best now. Yeah. But like for me, it was like going through that. People were like, a lot of people were like, yeah, no, nah, Richie gonna drop. You know what I'm saying? It's just he's going through his shit, give it some time. But like, understandably, there were a lot of people that like, this nigga just took that money and ran. He ain't never going to drop that album. You know what I'm saying? So I understand that because people do that. You know what I'm saying? People will take money and say they're going to drop something and they don't. But for me, it was, I'd gone through so much shit, man. Like the person that I was when I started working on that album and the person I am now. Different. Two different people, man. When I started that album, I didn't have kids. I was just, I was hopeful. I was young. I was just coming off of like a dope ass year. I was still working at my little job. <laughs> but I was like, all that was just like from a different perspective. Like originally the album was going to be a fucking um, in character album <laughs> of all these different characters from Guru and Logan. That was, that was what it was going to be. That was the plan, yeah. And 
five years later, the album's done, but it is not that at all. It is literally just my story, you know what I'm saying, with a whole bunch of Guru Lagan bars thrown in and just a whole bunch of anime bars now, but but it, it's it's me, you know what I'm saying? And, and I think that's going to make for a better project because we get to hear your story and everything. Like, bro, you went through thyroid cancer, beat it, congratulations with that, still have nerve damage and just dealing with life and have so much game to give to the youth. It's like, that's the album we need to listen to. Yeah, and it's like, I wanted to, and I'm glad that it's the way it is. Like, life really kind of went a crazy direction for me throughout, but I think it's important, like, and now it's like, yeah, a lot of, like, a lot of my early fans are like, why you flex so hard now, man? Because, like, <laughs> like, the when I first started the album, man, I was broke, you know what I'm saying? I was, like, rapping from the perspective of a kid. I'd rap about having an Acura Integra that was broke down, and I needed to get parts for that shit. And it's like now you dropping Maserati bars. Yeah, snap of a <laughs> finger. It's like I got a Maserati. I got a whole bunch of Gucci laying around, like just random Gucci. Like this shit right here, this fucking <laughs> track jacket right here. This shit, this is my baby, man. But it's not track jacket season yet. But y'all will see it coming soon. But I'm not like you know what I'm saying. Just random like life has been great to me. I uh, got into cryptocurrency, and that that's what really kind of just turned shit around. But it's like just all the things that I did. And now like a lot of, a few early fans are like, damn, like, you know, but I don't, I don't want to be ashamed to flex. Yeah. Cause because, you've been through shit. Yeah. That, but also like, I want to show that you could rap about, <laughs> you rap about fucking whatever you want to rap about and flex like your favorite rapper. Facts. You know what I'm saying? You could pull up in a Mozzie, you could pull up in a Lambo, you could, you know what I'm saying? You could do all that shit. You could fly around the world, man. Like, I've, I'd be out of the country every month until this fucking coronavirus shit hit. I was gone. Yeah. But it's like, you could do all that. You could live that life you want to live and not be boxed into feeling like you can't. So if I can't be anything else to, like, the next generation of anime rapper, I want to be the guy that they like, damn, that nigga just showed me that I could really turn this shit up. You know I what I'm saying? I can do it. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you don't have to, you don't have to be a certain type of way. And like, if you look at what I was before and what I was now, like there was a transformation that happened too. I lost a shitload of weight. Like I got, you know, just got a lot of shit together um, from a personality point of view. Like, you know, you, we always want to try to self-improve, right? Like, yeah regardless of what it is, it's not necessarily an appearance thing at all. It's just in life. Like you always want to be, like, if you would have asked me to do this shit like four years ago, I'd be like, hell no, I was too antisocial. I didn't, I didn't know how to talk to people. Like, I, I was a loner. I didn't even now. It's like, you know, it's different. You know, what I'm saying, I want to show people that you can be whatever you want to be. You don't have to be stuck in whatever situation you think you're stuck in. And if you rapping about anime or you rap inspired by otaku shit, your voice can go a lot farther than you think. You and it matters. It does. It does. Like when I went to Tokyo, I got, man, I'll never forget the moment that I realized like this shit was all worth it is I went to Tokyo, did a couple shows out there and um, ended up walking down the street. There's some random street in Shibuya with my cousins. I flew my cousins out with me. Like that's how, that's, that's love. Nice. I was like, y'all yeah. coming with me. Y'all going to do a show too. Cause y'all niggas rap too. So, you know, we went out there, did a show then we walking down the street. Some random jazz band was just playing just on the sidewalk, just playing their shit. 
And we walked up, there was mics. So like niggas was just like, hey, let's just freestyle on this <laughs> bitch, bro. When I say we shut the whole block down, me and my cousins in Tokyo, nobody spoke any English, but we had the whole block lit. Vibes. Full of people vibing. I'm going to post a video on Twitter. It was, it no, was that should, live. You should definitely it do was, that when we drop this, for sure. It was fucking live, B. And it was like, to see that moment, to see my cousins, they was like, you know, they was like, you know, they've never been out the country like that. Yeah. So it was their first time being out the country. And to be in Tokyo, rapping in front of like a couple hundred people in the street, just random. Like, that's the moments that this shit could bring, man. Like, if you just consistently do what you do, you'll be out there. You know, you it, it's not about the if. It's not even like, like all these cats doing this shit now. It's not about if. It's when. It's about when. Yes. Thank that. I preach that all the damn time. Because if you are doing something and you believe in yourself, it's never if. It's, it's no, it's when I get to where I'm going. Because what's for you is always going to be for you. It's just about if you put that work in. Exactly. What's for you is for you. It's going to happen. Yes, sir. So it's like that. You know, it's like, how do you, that's the believe in you part, right? Like, if you don't believe yep. in yourself... Nobody else will. That's like the most important part. If you look at anybody that's successful, whether you like them or not, whether you agree with who they are, if you think they're an asshole or whatever, but anybody successful, the number one ingredient was always that the motherfuckers believed in themselves, man. Facto. All the people that told me not to rap, they were like, nah, nigga, stick to the beats. If I didn't believe in myself, I would have never picked up the pen, man. Exactly. And it, you know? that, it just shows you. That's why I, I'm so happy you're on this pod and people, artists, and, and, and not just artists, not just limited to artists, whether it's artists, creatives, writers, whatever you may be, actor. It just shows you that if you believe in yourself, you can accomplish your dreams. Like you made a song called Bring Toonami Back. It just so happened Toonami comes back. And when they do, you're the theme song for that. You're rapping. You make a soundtrack for Ginlock. You make sound. So it just shows if you put that work in, get your 10,000 hours, become a master of your craft and believe in yourself, you can accomplish your dreams. Yeah, man. It's all about the just doing it. It's just the do. If you just keep doing something over and over. I have friends who, you know, like I said, they just decided they wanted to do some shit and they did and they did and they did and they you know they blew up it's just yep. a matter of time it's the people who succeed are the people who never gave up on themselves that's really all it is Patience. if you look at any rapper's story any famous rapper go back five ten years on they tweets you go see i just got a hundred followers dope like you know it messed me up that jay-z didn't drop reasonable doubt till he was like 28 years old like that shows yeah. the greatest rapper didn't become who he was until he's 28 years old going into 30 future self belief future didn't blow up till he's 31 like people don't realize how old future is mm -hmm. it just shows that self belief yes 100% so do you have a, uh, just, I got to push for like, you know, any little tidbit, any little hint. It, when Do you know when the album's coming out? Yeah, the release day, uh, barring any delays, is going to be Friday, June 12th. Woo, I'm dropping the air horns. We're going to have to definitely get you back to do an album breakdown, my brother. Yeah, for sure, man. Like, it's it's a great, uh, it's, I love the album. You know you, what I'm saying? What's it called? Uh, from the underground of the stars. From the underground of the stars. Hell yeah, man. Y'all be on the lookout for Richie Branson's from the underground of the stars. 
now that we got a little bit of the business out the way, I like to, this is where I like to, to have the most fun where we can get your fans to get to know you. Little rapid fire questions. What, what are some of your favorite anime? Uh, All time favorite. It's probably a tie between Gundam Wing and uh, Cowboy Bebop. Ooh, um, okay, okay. Yes, yeah, classics, you know. Um, I love also like honorable mention for sure to Gurren Lagan. Gurren Lagan is really good. Um, probably, actually, ooh, I forgot about that one. Definitely in my top five, maybe number three is Hunter Hunter. Solid. Hunter X Hunter is like, man, that's underrated, man. Like Tadashi, it is. man, the goat, one of the goats. Mm-hmm. To say he made both Hunter Hunter and Yu Yu Hakusho. Just shows how talented that man is. Yeah, like, they're both so similar and yet so different, different, right? Like, but yeah, Hunter Hunter and Yu Yu Hakusho, both of those stands. So it's like, top five would be Gundam Wing, Cowboy Bebop, Hunter Hunter, Yu Yu, and uh, Gurren Lagann. Being that you have two mechs in two mecha anime in your top five, talk to me about that, the love for mecha anime, because I think that's something that we don't... It has a big community, but not. I don't see a lot of people champion it on Twitter as much as as other shown in another battle type. Well, yeah, I, Mecca for me is like, oh man, I I have such an affinity for Mecca anime. Period. Like, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's because I like cars or I like working on cars and building cars, but there's a connection to me with the machinery aspect. See, I was going to ask if it connects to Star Wars, being that you're a big sci-fi guy, too. Yeah, yeah, it, it is that, too. And, and it even translates, like, into RPGs. Like, I like steampunk and sci-fi RPGs. So like Final Fantasy VII was just so dope to me because it was, like, such a departure from, like, the usual fantasy-type shit. Like, oh, no, this is machines and shit. Yeah. So basically, like, me and machines is, like, peas and carrots, <laughs> in the words of Forrest Gump. But now, like, um, so... Yeah, mecha anime is just like, man, when I was growing up, I used to nickname all of my cars after different, like, mecha. So my oh, yeah. Maserati is Toggies, you know, it's all white, you know what I'm saying? So That's cool. It's Toggies. But um, it, it's one of those things where, like, but it's not even just that. Like, I also like politics and, like, this the, the world building that takes place yep. in like, mecha anime, specifically, because there's a lot of warfare. There's a lot of, like you know, ebb and flow between two different political parties and stuff. So for me, um, that's always been kind of like my favorite thing. I, I, I like basically any anime that has like a crazy amount of world building in it. And some substance like, and storytelling. Yeah, it's it's a part of the story. You know what I mean? So if there's, if there's world building taking place, then um, I tend to be a big fan of that. I got to ask you, being a mech fan, did you ever fuck with the big O? Because that's something that I feel does every, like the being the um, Millennium City where it's like everybody lost their memory. What's the conspiracy with all that? It has like different political factions as well as this, because Roger Smith is 100% Batman. The big O mech is is the Batman. Yes. He has a butler. Batman giant robot. Yeah, the, the robot's the Batsuit. Roger Smith is Bruce Wayne. He has an Alfred and Dorothy, the cyborg could be considered either Batgirl or Robin. Yep, absolutely. So, you know, I'm in agreement with that. And I like I like the big O too. Um, I really thought it was, I like uh I like Roger's car. He had a nice car. <laughs> yes, he did. Roger was a yeah, bad a boy. Whip. Yeah. So being so that like, you like political animes, you ever gotten to full metal or attack on Titan? 
Uh, I love Attack on Titan a lot. Um, Full Metal, I never really got into like that. It's crazy. I know I... I you got to give I'm that. Slipping. Yeah, you got to give Brotherhood a shot, man. Being that what you just described is 100 percent full metal alchemist. Mm. Yeah, I fuck with Attack on Titan, though. Love the soundtrack. Um, Hiroyuki Sawano is my all time favorite anime composer. Um, maybe next to like Yoko Kano and seatbelts and all that. But like, man, no, nah, Attack on Titan is dope, too. Um I especially, I just, man, I, I like that one because it kind of has like a mixture. It's almost, it's a mech in some way. On low. Like on the, like the Titans are low key, big mechs. And mm-hmm. it's, that's, it's li- like, that's how I see it. Cause the way that the mangaka did, he took North, Norse mythology type stuff with Ragnarok and everything that's going on in there and the, the different Titans being different giants in North mythology. And he literally, yep took that, fused that with mech anime and made this political thriller. Yeah, I, I like the, you know, the sort of David and Goliath aspect. Um, yep. We've got like, you know, the 3D men. Um, Levi's my dude. Yes, Fuck with Levi. Super badass. Okay, um, let's see. Being that you're a big Star Wars fan, did you fuck with the new trip? Do you fuck with what Disney's doing with Star Wars? I like the Mandalorian a lot. I knew you were gonna say that because all st- all Lord, Star Wars fans always say, out of the Disney stuff, the best stuff was the Mandalorian. Absolutely, absolutely. The Mandalorian was like, yeah, that's great shit killer. Yeah, it is. Really- um, I uh, the tri- the new trilogy was interesting. Um, I feel like the Last Jedi was like. <sighs> The, the worst part of it. It screwed it up. Let, let's be honest. Yeah, From it what fucked he it all said, up. What he set up, what JJ set up in the first one was going to lead somewhere. There's no one that can tell me that Finn was not supposed to be a Jedi. There's no one that can tell me that Ray wasn't supposed to have double-bladed lightsaber going in and him, her and Finn were going to be these two different Jedis. And Because if you remember in Force Awakens, when Kylo Ren says, ooh, I feel a Force is awakened, we have not seen Ray yet. It, he was talking about Finn because Finn broke through this stormtrooper mentality and realized, whoa, this guy's evil. And that's why Kylo Ren kept staring at it. Yeah. Yep. They just did a lot of, um, yeah, they fucked it all up. Like Finn should have been a damn Jedi. Like how y'all going to have him lightsaber the fuck up and all the promo material. And it was just for that one part of that one fight. Movie. And there's like, no way if he was, if he wasn't force sensitive, there's no way he could have handled the lightsaber as well as he did. Like, let's not act like, yeah, Kylo Ren gave him a big slash, but he held his own for a little bit. Yeah. If you weren't, yeah, if you weren't force sensitive, like he would have cut his own hands off with the lightsaber. Like, let's be honest, there. One hundred percent. Then there's just the yeah, the last Jedi fucked everything up. And and what happened with Last Jedi was like, okay, once they sort of went down that road with it, like there they was had no to do. Way, yeah, there was nothing else they could do. There was no way the third movie was gonna be right. They tried, but my god, like yeah, that was bad. <laughs> as soon as you read the scroll, and it's like, oh, the emperor, what? <laughs> The fuck? Like, there's no build up. It was literally break glass. In uh, it's, they have the word Palpatine. They have a glass, yeah. and then they have like the thing to break. Uh, break if at all costs emergencies. Let's bring Palpatine back. They broke that shit. <laughs> brought his ass back. Then basically said, "I bet now we go pull the same shit we did in Empire and have 
oh, this is really your relative that you didn't know was your relative. How about that? You know what I'm saying? Like, don't make no damn sense. <laughs> bro, it was like, oh, you a Palpatine. Like, oh, oh my God, here we go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now she got to slay her, her granddaddy or whatever. It's just a mess, bro. And then they missed a crucial moment. Instead of just letting all the different Jedi, how she heard them, in that final scene, it should have been all of the old Jedi lined Listen. up in Force Ghosts and then just go into her body. And it's like, that would have been they would have showed them, yes. that would have actually been dope. Like, if they would have showed Anakin, motherfucker, all of them oh, just Force Ghosts Anakin, Qui-Gon Jinn, Obi-Wan, Yoda, Mace Windu, like, show them all. With the just, OG actors, that yes. could have redeemed a little bit. That would have been That's like, I, yes. I see you, Disney. Voices, though, come on, bro. That, yeah, that was cheap. They cheaped it out. Like, it's like, y'all got money. Y'all just made billions. Y'all made a billion on the first one, a billion on the second one. And stand there. Exactly. And I'm sure some of them would have did it. Like Samuel L. Jackson's been begging to come back to Star Wars. He'd have probably did it off a of general principle. They need to get yo. Listen, if motherfucking Darth Maul could survive his shit, Mace Windu should have survived. Mace Windu could have survived his shit too. They should have had that nigga with some bionic legs or some shit. Yep. You know what I'm saying? I need a black Jedi soon. I whatever's coming up with this new stuff, and that's why I was gonna ask you because you're a big Knights of the Old Republic fan. I know that to me, Star Wars needs to stay on Disney Plus and be television series because you can get deeper into the stories. It just shows how Mandalorian does, and I like what Filoni and Favreau are doing. Hopefully, we can get a Knights of the Old Republic series. Would you rather that Yo. TV form or movie? How would you rather? I'd rather have that as a TV form. Yeah, so that's like you know, like Clone Wars is really fucking dope. It's amazing. Like it, literally everything they've been doing on television with Filoni has been great. The only movie I liked of the new trilogy was Rogue One. Yeah, Rogue One was a masterpiece. That la and see, like the way, like two things about that. One, that last scene with Vader was a motherfucking masterpiece. Amazing. That was the whole movie. I that that made it all even better. But two, Vader, we need like a young, we need like a post order sixty six mm. pre uh, a new hope oh, Vader. Vader. Yeah. See, because okay. if you read the comics, like, yo, that nigga Vader was a monster, dog. You saw Vader down, like this nigga took out a whole battalion. Like, yes, that Vader, yo. the Charles Soule comic, amazing. And see, that's what I hope. You see, with this Obi Wan series, that's what I hope they incorporate Darth Vader because I know people are like Obi Wan can't meet Darth Vader to New Hope, but no. If you look in New Hope, he says. Uh, the last time I saw you, Master, I was just the student of the dark side, but now I'm a master. He wasn't a student of the dark side when Obi-Wan chopped his legs off. So I feel yeah. like there's a meeting that could be had or have some inquisitors in that Obi-Wan series, but a Darth Vader movie would be, it would work. It would 100% work. And I know people say that's what the first trilogy was, but no, give us a legit post-Order 66 showing the different like emotions that Anakin was going through because it's like, in that comic, you see, he doesn't necessarily want to be with the Emperor because he he lost Padme. The Emperor told him he could save Padme, but now without him, he's like, why am I here? Yeah, that, that regret, right? Like, yep. this nigga did all this dark side shit, and it was for nothing. And now he got to live it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, can't, too late now, nigga. You didn't kill all them little kids, man. You can't come back from that, you know? Yeah, you can't. Bro, that yeah. scene where he lights the lightsaber and you just see the little younglings Oh, Yo, that's like, so oh. sad. Yeah, that is, man. 
That was John Boyega today or yesterday. <laughs> yeah. That nigga was going off, man. But he he had to. That was I, I applaud Boyega for that shit. That shit was dope. yeah. But really okay, being that uh you're a Star Wars fan. Um, no, no, not not Star Wars. You said Cowboy Bebop was one of your favorites. Are you excited for the Netflix live action show? Actually, yeah, I am excited about that. Netflix hasn't been missing when it comes to like these live action adaptations of nerdy shit. So like they they killed it with The Witcher. I gotta yeah, say, yeah, they did. Yeah, and that's what gave me hope. The only thing, man, that and I love that they cast that black dude as a uh, Jet because I always in my in my head canon to me Jet was always black, and and because yeah. he's younger, I hope we get to see. And because of the creators of the show and Watanabe was like we're expanding on what we've told so we can give you more different stories. And I think that's because of Jet. Like, we didn't get a lot of Jet in the OG series. So because he's a younger guy, hopefully we could get it. But the thing that throws me off is John Chu is Spike. There's many yeah. other Asian actors who are young, who can do martial arts, who are great actors, like Louis Tan, Henry Golding. I just don't see Harold from Harold and Kumar as Spike Spiegel. Yeah, it's, it's kind of one of those things, man, where it's like, yeah, I don't know how I don't know how well that's going to that's going to go over. Cuz we'll honestly, see. he's the like if he doesn't work, the show doesn't work. That's the thing. Yeah, like cuz you know Spike Spiegel's got like this level of cool that like the Keanu Reeves <laughs> could pull off potentially, but like we'll see. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know like I I used to be like I kind of stopped being like I don't know cuz like Look, when Heath Ledger got cast as a Joker, I was like, y'all got the gay cowboy for a broke back mountain. Changed everything. Joker? Yeah. And that nigga came through and killed that shit. So now I'm just like, well, let me suspend judgment. Yeah, let's wait till <laughs> it comes out. No, that's yeah, that's a great point because Heath definitely changed the game. Okay, so what are some of your favorite movies? And uh, just give us some of your favorite movies that are, you can include some anime ones, but just, you know, mm -hmm. some of your favorite movies. Movies, man. Damn, I'm trying to think of what I, I'm a huge, like, probably my biggest fandom outside of, and well, probably just as big as anime and Star Wars is James Bond. I fuck with ooh, James Bond. Ooh, okay. Favorite like, James, who's your favorite James Bond? Ooh, that's a good question. For me, Sean Connery will always be the best. Like, the Goldfinger, man. best James Bond movie. That was just the quintessential, you know, I think you, it's all the shit. Connery could do the physical, but he also had the suaveness. He also had like the gadgetry where Pierce Brosnan exactly. is straight suave and mm. not a lot of gadgets. Daniel, uh, the new one from Casino, I, I forget his name. Daniel, Daniel Craig. Craig yeah. yeah, he's just a straight brawler. He's just straight yeah. brawler. And then Roger Moore's the gadget guy. But I think Sean Connery fuses all three of those and you get exactly the perfect bond. He's got the suave. He's got the physical, like, you know, he's super tall. Um, they got the gadgets too. They had the DB5 with all the you know all the gadgets and shit. So it's I think like, he had a jetpack too in one movie. Yeah, he had a jetpack in um oh, damn it's on the tip of my tongue on um Thunderball Thunderball yeah. beginning of Thunderball he had a jetpack. So like yeah, James Bond is like it, it. My dream would be to see an anime version of James Bond. <laughs> I would die. That would be amazing. And, and you know, GoGo Thirteen is kind of that in a way. Yo, That's you might. I fuck animals. with you, bro. Like I fuck yo. with you, bro. Yo, Gogo, that. Duke, yo, Duke Togo is the fucking man. Duke Togo is that guy, bro. Duke, yo, Gogo thirteen mm. is incredible. Yo. Who would win in a fight, reason. Spike Spiegel or Duke Togo? Ooh. I'm gonna say Duke, bro. Yeah, bro. Duke, oh. <laughs> and he gonna take Spice Girl too. Duke Obama. 
motherfucker, bro. Yo. You can't like he got you with the hands, he got you with the guns, he got you with yo. everything. Like Duke Tolo's everything. a bad motherfucker. Duke, yeah, Duke will find a way to kill your ass, bro. He he is like, yeah, he's like a James Bond, but without the without moral the, compass. Yeah, without the moral compass and without the crazy corny lines, like he just gonna he about, he about that action. Yeah, all the way. Yes, he is all the way. Spike Spiegel dope too, but that that nigga Duke Togo is, is just, on another level. Yo, nice, nice. So big James Bond fan. All right, any other movie? Yeah. Any other live action movies that you be fucking with? Ah, uh, what else? James Bond, Fast and Furious too, because I love okay, cars. cars. Yeah, Fast and Furious was actually the reason I got into cars. When I went to the theaters. I was in high school. That's how old I am. I'm old as fuck. When the first Fast Furious came out, I was in high school. I went to see it, saw them Hondas, and I saw the RX-7 and all all those cars, man. And ever since then, like, I've just, like, man, damn near every car in Fast and Furious I've owned at one point. Yeah. So the only car that I need to get that's left on my list of cars to get is, like, a 90s Supra. Oh, Okay. Yeah, but the RX-7 twin turbo, Vin Diesel's red car in the first one, I had that. That's probably the best car I've ever owned, to be honest with you. It's crazy. It's a two-seater. I had the 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 leather all redone and shit. So, like, people would hop in the RX and be like, are you rich, nigga? Yeah. Off of a, that car was, like, 15 years old at that point. I was like, you rich? Like, this is nice. And I'm yeah. like appreciate that you know but because you don't see them that often like it's such a rare car like people don't even know it's a mazda they're just like what is this car why is it so dope yeah so, like what's going on yeah rx7 is just oh man i, I love that car like Do you like the new fast movies because being that you're a car fan i know they they go from being about cars to where now they're basically the expendables like yeah, tokyo drift was probably the last great fast movie <laughs> Yeah, because Tokyo Drift was all about the cars. Um, all of the, like, the drifting and shit, like, that was very car-centric. Very, very legit. If you like drifting, like, Tokyo Drift is pretty authentic to that culture, for sure. Um, but after that, you had The Fast and the Furious when they came back to L.A. That wasn't That a one bad was one. cool. Yeah. But they kind of, okay, well, we're going to do this underground drug trade thing. All and right, put the that. rock in it, and then it's over with. <laughs> and then, yeah, you, when The Rock came and it was like, oh, now it's definitely the Expendables. <laughs> Bro, the um, one where they're on the ice and they have the submarine and they shoot the missile and them niggas are in a car and they're trying to push the... Bro, I was like, this isn't real. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> Yo, I was done when they, they drove off like the 150th floor and yeah! like in Hypersport, crashed through the next building and then jumped to the now. Next I was like, one, come yeah. on, man. <laughs> Come on, bro. The, the movies just now, it's just like, cars can't do that shit, like, dog. <laughs> now, granted, they making a lot of money with the movies, but they it's just are. like, the car, the... Eh. It lost its <clears throat> premise. Every now, I mean, you know, they'll have that one little scene where it's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta earn some new cars. Let's have an underground race. And it's like, okay, now it's back to the roots. And then it's like right back to, oh, we gotta get on this stealth plane that (laughs) that nobody could see in the sky. And we go throw the planes out, throw the cars out of the plane and perish. Apparently in the new one, because I host a movie podcast as well. And like, uh, I, we, we've, I have a relationship with a lot of inside scoopers and shout out to my guy, Daniel RPK, but apparently they're going in space with this new one. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I'm dead ass. 
<laughs> and if you saw the trailer, you saw how the ludicrous was building, like they put the rockets on the back of that car and they were doing test drives on the ground. That's why, because they're going <laughs> to. If they, I will lose my shit. Yo, I'm gonna remember, see that shit. Remember this conversation but, and tweet at me if that shit happened. I will I'm, definitely do that. It reminds me of what they did with James Bond um, in Moonraker when Star Wars it came out that year and it was yep. like, oh, we got to do a space movie now. And they took that motherfucker to space. And I was like, come on, y'all. <laughs> and it was Roger Moore, too. So it was yes. hella goofy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was a mess. That movie was a mess. Moonraker. And I I watch James Bond movies every day, dog. Like, I'll have some James Bond going As on at should. some point. But, like, Moonraker to me is always that one that's like, they just did too much. Like, yeah. that was, like, the campiest James Bond movie. And then after that, they released a dope one for your life for your eyes only. It was actually really good. Like it was a really good James Bond. Isn't that where they, they switch from uh Roger Moore? No, no, that was his last that, that was no, that was his second to last. Um no, that, I think that was his last one. I can't remember if Octopussy came out after or before. No, Octopussy came out before. So yeah, that was his last one. And he uh that was the one where he had there was like a submarine that sunk and there was a machine. Okay. Uh, and basically, they were, he had to go through the Swiss Alps and go through all these like crazy oh, yeah, locations. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and some Greek, some Greek chick got got her parents got assassinated, so she was looking out for that. So it was just, it was just a thriller. It was a really just a good. There was no spaceships and yeah. no crazy super classic Bond shit. Yeah, it was just real, just straight into the point about that action. And then after that, you had um. Damn, Timothy Dalton, who's underrated as fuck. I thought I James thought before Bond. Timothy they had the the Australian dude because they had, it's a Wallaby or whatever. The one he only had one movie. Yeah, he had um Honor Majesty's Secret. So what happened was it was after um Sean Connery shot uh You Only Live Twice. Mm-hmm. And um after that he was like, fuck it, I can't be buying no more. He just tripped out because it was just, they were wilding. Like, he said he was just tired of the shit. So then they um, filmed On Her Majesty's Secret Service in 1969. I'm, I'm a huge Bond fan, man. <laughs> and so that's when they had George Lazenby, the Australian Yeah, that's dude. his name, George Lazenby. Because um, I watched his documentary on Hulu. Yeah. And he just, like, came out of nowhere. Like, he had never acted before. They were just like, yo, you get to be James Bond. And he killed that shit, too. He, he was a good really job. good... That was a really good movie. Um, On Her Majesty's Secret Service is one of my favorite Bond movies. Um, that's the one, you know, the, the sad ending. Like, So that one was dope. Then after that, they went back to Sean Connery for Do- Diamonds Are Forever, which was his corniest. That was a corny-ass Bond movie, but it was still good. It was just corny as fuck. And then after that, they went to Roger, Roger Moore, Moore with Live okay. and Let Die. Which Live and Let Die was it's, dope. Yeah, that's a great one. That's one that's, of my, that's a good one. The yep. best death scene in any James Bond, the best murder was when they had the, the New Orleans funeral procession. Yeah. And the dude was like, yo, whose funeral is this? And he was like, yours. He stabbed him. That <laughs> shit was dope. Yeah, that was, was some like, gangster Ooh. shit. That is some gangster shit. That was my favorite like murder, probably in any movie. That was that was that was slick. Before we then, get up out of here, I want to ask you, who do you think could be the new James Bond? Like, if you could choose any British actor, who would you want to see as it? You know, this is going to be controversial, perhaps. Not controversial, but it's going to be like, you won't be able to see it until you go back and watch um, 
Go back and watch. Um, damn, what's the name of that movie? Uh, I can't remember. It's a spy movie that's kind of like James Bond, but um, shit, dude from Superbad, man. Oh, you're talking Henry Cat? Okay, you're talking about yeah. either the uh, Man from Uncle or Nice or not Nice Guys, Man from Uncle or, or the new latest Mission Possible. Henry Cavill could definitely Uncle. could definitely be James Bond, but I wouldn't. Man from Uncle. The thing is with Henry Cavill, they can't use too much of his physicality. They have to. Because Daniel Craig was so much of a brawler, I would want to see Henry Cavill be suave and use some gadgets, but he could still fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that part, good. yeah. I think, um, you know, and it's crazy how understated the gadgetry has been. Like, Inspector, you just now getting to meet Q. You know what I'm saying? Yep. You just now, and it's like, it's almost like a joke now. Like, he's like, here's a pen. And he's like, well, what does it do? A laser Motherfucker, pen. Motherfucker, it writes. <laughs> <laughs> it just writes. That's it. It's like, oh, okay. So it's like, you know, when you look at, you know, the next iteration of James Bond, I, I would like to see it have, like, James Bond should be what Fast is. You know what I'm saying? Fast and Furious, they got all these fucking gadgets, all these crazy, like, what the fuck? That should be James Bond. That's always yeah. been James Bond. You know what I'm saying? No, but I, I get it. You know, I think what killed that part of James Bond was Austin Powers. Like, mm. when Austin Powers dropped, and they, they made fun of all that shit, it was like, oh, nah, we can't. We, we can't gotta do we'll something go different. And I think because of Christopher Nolan's Batman, that's why we see James Bond become this real world gritty take on James Bond. And I think it worked for Casino Royale and Skyfall. It Those did. are great yeah, movies. Casino Royale and Skyfall were great movies. It's, um, it's Quantum of Solace that's... Ooh. Yeah, Quantum of Solace, it's interesting to go back and watch it in the context of like what um what happens what follows yeah, yeah. like it's kind of like a it's like a it's almost like a filler episode in anime it is it is a it's a big ass filler episode <laughs> long ass filler episode but um going back and watching it it's so like it's almost realistic in a way like the way that because it kind of sets you up for specter yeah even though like you know it, i would have rather seen quantum of solace come before right before specter because you know, you see kind of the conspiracy on how they get their bread and what they yep. do to set up. But it was really a granular kind of like, oh, okay. Like, you're just kind of getting to see the relationships between all these shadowy people. But it was, it was other than that, it was forgettable. No, really 100%. Forgettable. Okay, the, the final question we ask everybody, Richie, is if mm-hmm. you were the writer, director, producer to the Richie Branson movie, how would you want it to end? Damn, that's a good question. I try. <laughs> um, I would say, like, as with any good movie, um, I would like, okay, this is a good example. Bad Boys, um, the newest Bad Boys, the way that that ended where it was like, it's set up for like this crazy, like, Bad Boys, I'm, mark my words, come back to this fucking podcast it will be the next like Fast and Furious type of franchise. Okay. If you saw Bad Boys for Life, yeah, you, you know it's about to. You see it. The setup. The setup is there for this whole international team of like yep. crazy crime fighting type of people to happen. So like, that's going to be the setup. The Bad Boys is going to be that franchise. So if I had to say, the ending to Richie Branson movie would be like that, where it's like it's not just me anymore. Like, it's like you go through the Richie Branson movie and it's like at the end of it, you get introduced to this larger world of people like me. 
if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like you sort of open up to like, oh, well, there's this dude. Almost like how Batman versus Superman, even though it wasn't that great of a movie, it sets you up for the Justice League. Yeah. You know, you got introduced to Wonder Woman and the Flash and all them people. So something like that, where it introduces people to something that's way bigger than me. Okay, your legacy. That's probably the best way I could see that. Yeah, exactly. Legacy. That's And that's sort of like where I'm at. You know what I'm saying? Like It's like every artist... When you first start, you're thinking about you, me, 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 me. This is what I want to do. I want to be this. But like the legacy part of it, it almost, but you have to be humble. You know what I'm saying? Like there's different ways that artists approach like a newer generation that's better than them, if you will. Right. Mm -hmm. Like some be like, oh, these niggas ain't me. You know what I'm saying? These niggas can't do what I do. Fuck them little young niggas. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, like. I need to get back out there and show that I still got it type shit. Yeah. But the other approach and the approach that I've taken towards this whole thing with like the anime rap and stuff is like, yo, these niggas is better than me, dog. These niggas are going to take this shit to places I can never take it. You know what I'm saying? So I don't want to be that type of person that looks at that shit and be like, nah, them niggas ain't me. Fuck them. You know, like. Yeah, you want to help facilitate. I want to be the guy that's like, nah, this is what I've been through. This is kind of like this, the steps I took when I came up. You're about to be way higher than that. And I want to encourage you and pour love into you and just be that type of person that's, that's all love. Like, these young niggas got it, dog. Like I said, they got it in ways that I'll never be able to have it. And I want to see them get there, damn it. Because yeah. if I could see them get there, then that means everything I did was worth it. You know what I'm saying? That means that all the little... The shit that that sort of was at the beginning of what this shit became, it was all worth it. If they don't, then it's like, what was it all for? You know what I'm saying? No, so, yo, you sound like literally Jariah, like how the Toad Sages were like, it's not you, Jariah. You're, but you're gonna find the person that we've been looking for, and that I fuck with that answer. Exactly. So it's like that's me now. It's like, all right, how could I build something that that's gonna benefit? all of these young people. And I got something. I got a platform that I'm going to come out with that's going to like, it's going to be dope. Change the game. Real. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring everybody together and really run run this shit up, man. Because, you know, if I never put out another album or another song, God damn it, like, you're going to see the platform and it's going to be like, damn, like, yo, let's, that's what let's get working shit on. together. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because we need it. I know we need it. I, it, it has to be a situation. Somebody's got it. Cause you know what I'm saying? That's the thing about music and every musician needs, you, you have to have somebody that's not focused on the music and is focused only on the logistics of everything. Right. Yeah. Without that, like, because if you're an artist, like the worst thing that you should be have to do is have one part of your brain that's focused on the logistics and the other that's focused on the creative. That shit is a nightmare, man, because you have to switch all the time. So, like, if I get to a point where I could just 100% focus on, like, the The kind of, like, not even the business, like, just the the marketing and shit, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Just the how the content gets delivered, what it looks like, the The packaging. packaging. Yeah. There you go. Then it frees everybody up to be able to just do their thing, man, and, and, and know that, there is like a universal place where they could, they know that they can go to and the packaging is all there. You know it's, what I'm saying? Yeah, it looks right. No, it's like an anime. It's, 
it's like an anime trap house, man. It's like just a house where everybody, you know, digital house, if you will, where everybody can just pop their shit and know that it's going to be eyes on it. You know what I'm saying? No, 100, 100%. We definitely do. Thank you so much, Richie, for coming on the pod. Tell the people where they can find you at. Tell them where they can find your music at and just uh, plug, plug away, my friend. Oh, shit, man. I had a website, but that bitch been down. Um, but it's going to be up. RichieBranson.com will be up. Uh, by the time this podcast airs, it should be up. Um, Twitter at Richie Branson. Instagram at Richie Branson. Google Richie Branson. You'll see all my shit pop up. Um, album drop in June 12th. June 12th. Uh, whatever hey. that Friday is. Yeah. From the Underground of the Stars. Get that, please. It is imperative that you get that album. Uh, because I think it'll be a good look if if we have an album that's doing well in in the space. Second um, Friday of June. Yes, sir. YouTube, Richie Branson. Uh, subscribe to the channel. I'm gonna start dropping some content. I got some some interesting stuff coming there. So y'all y'all stay tuned for that. And that's really it, man. We just we just moving, man. It's, it's a day by day, 100. day by day struggle, but we all in it, man. We just we just here. Hell yeah. Y'all make sure y'all go check out Richie's new song, Imperfect King, on SoundCloud and YouTube. And be sure to check out his album coming on June 12th. Thank you again so much, Richie, for coming on the pod. With that being said, let's finish up the show with Bros Who Ball. Shout out to Richie Branson for coming on the pod, man. We really, really appreciate it. Y'all make sure y'all go follow Richie Branson and make sure on June 12th, y'all get his new project because I'm super, super excited. Richie put a lot of work in it. And just from hearing his story, everything he went through, the surgeries and just his health and, and, and everything he went through to get to this point, that man has been through a lot. And it's just, it's super dope to see him about to put out his project and I, I'm just I'm just really happy for the guy because he's overcome a lot and he's such a nice guy and he he all he wanted to do was support and help. So shout out to Richie Branson. Y'all make sure y'all go follow him at Richie Branson and be sure to check out his new project on uh, June 12th. But Krista, let's get into our reviews of Tower of God and Glipnir. Which one you want to start off with, Glipnir or Tower of God? Because I have more to say about Tower of God than Glipnir this week. So uh, we can start off with Glipnir. We can start off with Glipnir. Just because we could get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, all right. Let's start off with Glipnir. I'm going to pull up the uh, the uh, the description so we can read the description, and then we'll get into it. But this week for Glipnir, we have episodes 9 and 10. Okay, let's get it. Glipnir, episode 9. I have the uh, description for us right here. Oh, why is it? I hate every time it does this. So now I don't I know if these, if these episodes... I don't know if these episodes uh, dropped their, their regular dates or whatever, but I'm not going to lie. When I went to watch them expecting to see two, there was only one. And I was like, okay, so they must have skipped a week. And then when I saw they had another episode, it was like late. I don't know. And for some reason, uh, it hit me. It, it hit weird. Like I was, I, I usually go watch Glee on the same, on the same days. And it, it felt like it was a little off schedule. I might just be tripping though. It might just be me tripping. I mean, what a bad time of the day. I don't know. I, I watch everything. Uh, I, everything we watch, I watch the day we bought to record. So, like, I, I have no idea when these things drop. I just make sure I oh, get yeah. them done <laughs> before we record. Okay, so episode Thanks. nine. Here we go. Got the uh, details right here. I, I hate that I can't look at this on the mobile. But, okay, Koinagi leads the team through the mountains, and they discover a suspicious and troubling mark, which leads to them 
becoming into a trap. They are trapped by this other group of collectors. The, uh, and basically, the collectors trap them. And then we meet the uh, leader of this gang. And the leader of this gang is this badass dude. And he's like, yo, my, my spider henchman, you go get them. Trap these dudes. The spider henchman gets them. But then we see their homie. Uh, I, the pretty boy, I don't know any of their names besides Claire and Shuichi, Shuichi. I don't know the gang's name, but the homie who had the red and black stuff coming out of his arm, he beats up the scorpion uh, collector, breaks his jaw. His uh, The leader of the scorpion collector's group was like, I'm not leaving y'all you behind. I'm going to take care of it. He beats the... Uh, he beats the collect uh, the collector who hurt that dude up, and he be- beat up the big monster. And now he's just talking to him like, "Yo, we gotta figure out this. Uh, what what we gonna do with y'all?" And Sh- uh, Shuichi shoots his gun, and they catch it, and that's how that shit ends. And it is crazy. Crystal, what do you think? Of episode nine. Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, it was it was high action, uh, high intensity. Um, I did. I read the manga along with it. You know what I'm saying? Manga report gas pack you know what i'm saying like i I love the fact that they both hit different and they both hit hard like uh when i read it it, it really feels like a like a horror you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. it feels like throw it off you know what i'm saying and then they go extra strong with the edgy too like they go they go way harder with the edgy. well it was hard they, they went hard with it with this episode because oh yeah for the sure. monster was just constantly groping on the leader's tits and making her feel super uncomfortable making me and- feel uncomfortable and when I tell you that the the manga went harder, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it just, it he, just shows you not, probably, not too not too harder, not too much harder. But I'm just saying every everything like that they push boundaries in the uh, in the manga yeah. every every chapter to where the anime has to tone it down tone a it little. Down. Bit. But yeah. as far as action and the violence, I feel like that's where they crank it up too. Uh, I just like getting both experiences at the same time. I feel like they're both amazing. Uh, for, so for the manga readers, I would advise them to check it out too. But as far as the anime watchers, like. I'm not disappointed. Like, you know how sometimes no, they either. don't fucking, they don't adapt the manga right and it don't hit all the way right? This one, 100%, everything's hitting. Like, the the action, the emotion, whenever you see niggas get their ass whooped, like, that shit hit hard, bro. Like, when you see niggas on a gang get their ass whooped, that's like, oh, gang, no. Why? You know what I'm saying? And it yep. hit hard because, you know, the big, the, the the guy who transformed into the big fucking goat-looking nigga, he, he, he don't really fight he, his thing is the flower that's his bag his bag yeah. is making flowers trees that's so iso or uh or uh isao that's a isao isao or uh kasaga k-a-s-u-g-a mm-hmm. or kasuga but he yeah that's no he's super to dope watch him get his ass whooped bro yeah. i was like oh no why uh, but my favorite part of nine was seeing yoto uh yoda uh murakami or I'm gonna just call him Yoda. Seeing Yoda do his transformation with the black, whip, uh, the black and red stuff coming out of his arm. Finding a little bit about his background, how he got expelled. I think that was my favorite part of nine. I preferred ten to nine because I took some notes on ten that I really like. Nine, I would just out of five, I'd give it a solid three nine, solid three nine four. Uh, a, a good episode, but not a great one to me. Yeah, I'll give it a I'll give it a solid four three because I really you know me being a villain guy. This villain's not the best villain, but I'm not gonna lie, he solid he he rides for his gang and shit like that. You get a little bit of foreshadowing to where he's not just a grunt type villain, not just an evil type villain. You know he got some shit going on with him. Uh, I, I like the grunt that went out too. So I, I like not, to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. These are these are scummy characters. You get to see that more in the next episode. But I really did like. Uh, the way they they're they're flowing out every character like every character they introduce is not like just like random. It was kind of at first you see some random characters come out of nowhere, but 
when they want you to care about these characters, they, they make you kind of feel for them. Even the villains, you kind of feel for them. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So episode 10 of Glipnir, a terrible ultimatum uh, form from a powerful enemy makes Claire Shuichi and their friends face an impossible decision. Basically, the leader of the group tells them, look, I beat up ISO. I beat up uh, Yoda. Like, y'all can't do nothing either. I'm going to kill all of y'all or y'all can give me one of y'all to kill and I'll let y'all go. I just want to know y'all are like us. I want to know y'all that y'all do what y'all want and y'all do what it takes to survive. To me, what makes this, this episode was great. Some of the scenes that I liked was the scene where Claire asked him the question where she's like, so because you already beat them up, if one of them's dead, do we have to pick somebody? And he was like, oh, good question. It just showed the sinisterness of Claire and not the sinisterness, the realism of Claire because it shows just Claire's ruthless. She's wild but she'll do what it takes to protect the people she loves. And it's like, and honestly, those other people are her, are her acquaintances. I wouldn't call them her friends. I don't think she loves those people. I think she just cares about her and Shuichi and making sure Shuichi doesn't die. I, I think she fucks with the gang to a certain extent too. To a like, certain extent. Like, I, I feel like she's not, um, you know, in love with them or anything. She don't love them. Like she, she fucks with Shuichi. That's a whole different level. But at the same time, uh, she seems to be to take pride in being the one on the team that's gonna get shit done. Cause she's like, man, the whole team pussy, son. She was like, none yep. of y'all niggas gonna do nothing. She was like, oh, we, I'm the decision maker because if it's up to y'all, we gonna fucking die. And if it's that up was the scene that I wrote down. The uh, one, another one I have is the scene where they have to accept that they have to make a sacrifice and how it's real and just the way Claire and that's what she was talking about. Just the way how ruthless and wild she is because it's like. Uh, the homie that I hate, I hate this dude, uh, Ikuichi. The the, yeah, Ikuichi, that's the dude with the glasses. He was just, Claire was baiting him to be like, yeah, no, we gotta go give up, we gotta give up, and just baiting him to show how weak he is, and it's like, no, bro, if we give anybody up, we giving you up, and stop being a pussy and being a snitch. I hate Ikuichi. <laughs> homie straight trash, and he got, he got what he deserved. I think in this scene where Claire's explaining uh, the fact that they are going to have to do the sacrifice if they can't come up with something. And Yoda's like, we're going to fight. You see it on his face. And when Claire tells him, it's like, bro, you're not strong enough to beat him. And you just see the defeat on his face. Like, damn, I'm going to die. And everyone, you just see despair, despair. And Claire's like, just constantly thinking. And you see in the gears turn, even with Shuichi, we see despair, but Claire never gave up. And she's like trying to figure a way out of this. The one person without a power. And I think that's, goes back to her quote that she says in this episode where it's not the people with the powers you need to worry about. It's the people that control the power, the people behind the powers that you need to worry about. It's not the powers, it's the people. And I think right. Claire's a, a, a great example of that. Another scene that I like is when Claire, I mean, when Suichi basically tells Claire he loves her and he's like, let me handle it. We're one. You don't have to have this burden on all of it. You've been enough of taking all these burdens. Let me help you and take this burden for you. And it just showed how passionate their relationship is and just how strong it is. And the final thing I wrote is that fucker Ikuichi got what he deserved when he tried to snitch on the gang and that girl's power came up and strangled the shit out of that nigga. Fuck that pussy. He deserved to die. F -E uh, Ikuichi. I don't know who I hate worse. Rachel or Ikuichi. No, I lie. I hate Rachel worse because Ikuichi is just a bitch. But Rachel that's is, saying, that's saying is a, a different level. That's saying a lot because this nigga is pure, pure, pure pussy. Like whatever he snitched yeah. on the gang. And son, the thing is, bro, 
that whole thing about trust, like you as a snitch ass bitch ass dude should know no, that yeah. you're gonna die if you do that stupid shit. But you said that like I can't help it. I gotta snitch so bad, nigga. Like oh, snitching is in my blood. I love snitching so much. Like dude was just sitting there like I will die. For like it's snitch. like crack to him. He's like, bro, he's he's snitching the whole time. He get choked out. He's like, ah, worth it. Like son, that's some bitch ass shit. Son. And like, he was trying like, to save that girl. And the fucked up thing is that girl never asked about him once he was dead. That like, girl don't even want you, bro. <laughs> no one she asked about him. You. Okay, I want to ask you, do you think they know he died due to, like, do you think the leader knows that her power was activated and that's why nobody said anything? Because they was running and nobody was like, where's Ikuichi? Like, in in normal Shonen, they would be like, where's Ikuichi? But in this, they just kept running. They said, fuck that nigga. The nigga, he he probably just aggravation. The thing is, they and this is fucked up to think, but they're probably not going to even say anything or even notice he's gone until it's time to use his power. Like, we need to record (laughs) some shit. Where? Where is this? You know, he, oh, he died a while back. Oh, fuck it. We got to do a new. And they probably not even gonna care. They probably be like, okay, we got to have a new plan. Like, they probably wouldn't even like harp on, like, oh no, we lost one. They probably be like, all right, whatever. Scratch that idea. It's, anything, it's, he anything just sucks. Anything else you saw from this episode? Because, like, I, I spoke, I said a lot about the scenes. Just give us some of the things that you thought was powerful. No, I def- the same, a lot of the same things you took away from it. Like, I definitely love the fact that Claire gets painted as the problem solver. She gets painted as the critical thinker. She's sitting there like, how can we not go outside? Like, even whenever it's, like, on some, like, because she's proven herself to be the one that handles business when it's time to do the unthinkable as far as yeah, killing, killing people, as far as just, you know, she's that person. She's the finisher. Uh, she's the muscle whenever the, the everybody else is weak. This shows that she can also be the brain because... Yep. If it wasn't for homeboy being a snitch ass bitch ass dude, he wouldn't even die. You know what I'm saying? The yeah. whole gang, the whole gang came out unscathed. She, and she was trying she, to make it that way too. They were sitting there like, man, one of us gotta die. We gotta really think about this. Oh shit, we all gonna die. She was like, no, they're no, gonna I, die. Yeah, like, we gotta. On, yeah, man. they can die. And I think the plan she came up with was great. She got the guy who could only make flowers. Uh, I Esau. She got him. She found a poisonous flower that when it burns. It, it it starts to kill people and she made enough he, she made him make enough to where they were surrounded by it and they couldn't get to them without passing through the field of flowers they started to burn and she it shows how smart she is like you said cuz she planned this into consideration that the leader loved his gang so much that he wouldn't leave someone left behind just to go chase him and because he didn't do that he died with his gang and they all died and the leader of uh, Claire and Shuichi's group was like, I don't know if I can trust you anymore, Claire, because I don't know what you're thinking. And Claire just tells her the hard truth. is like, we had to do that because if we didn't, we would have died. So you cannot trust me, but I saved your life. It's like, you got to accept this because if y'all don't, y'all will meet stronger people than them and they mm-hmm. will eat y'all alive. It's like, ooh, some bad guys came along. Y'all were too nice to kill him, and I killed him for y'all. Oh, y'all are alive. I'm so bad. I'm so bad. I say you more worried about them bad dudes. Kill y'all, yeah. It's it's the leader's so crazy because she's more worried about the bad guys than Ikuichi, which is hilarious. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she was even worried about homegirl that was trying to the the invisible girl that was trying to make the movie too. Because the invisible girl, she was like, look, I'll do what it got what got to be done. And And Claire was like, that's balls. Yeah, I didn't expect that. She's like, respect, nigga. Not all these <laughs> niggas is bitches in this group. You, They got some nuts somewhere in this group. And uh, the leader, she's all sitting there like, I can't believe what the I'm shit. hearing. It's like, son, shut up. Like, yeah, I shut can't up, believe bitch. you. I can't believe you would sit there and go out like a bitch and just die because you scared. Like, you on some scary shit. You scared to kill. The thing is, I understand not wanting to kill. But even Goku know it's, when it's time to kill a nigga. You got to like, kill Goku when to survive, man. It's like these people are going to kill you no matter what. So it's like, do you not try to live? 
Like, that's the thing that justifies it to me for Claire. Like, Claire was concerned about her life and her friend's life. These people didn't care about y'all, so why should you care about them? They were going to kill you either way. Like, Thanks. you got to survive at that point. Like Another another thing I like, too, like, I, I love that. I love you see uh, more interactions between the team because you see uh, uh, Flower Boy, you know what I'm saying? You see yeah, him and, and Claire. They, they kind of get their little, their moment as well to where... You, I could tell ever since the last episode, Sun has just been scarred. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, he was, He's getting the worse. despair on his face when, like, she told him the plant. It was just like, I think something's gonna come out of that. Oh, I think yeah. something's gonna come out of that. I think that's starting. That's gonna start something in him to where, because the thing I love about Shuichi so much in these later episodes is that he. It's starting has to developed accept so it. much. Yeah. Like he's developed so much since episode one. He's sitting there like, nah, I'm booting up. And you see him slowly but surely want to accept that that weight on his shoulders. Cause at first he was just like, that's why she was there. And she keeps on saying, I noticed that they're making it a point as writers to make her say, Hey, y'all need me. Like, you need me. Like, still. He's like, I know you had that other bitch inside you and shit like that, but you need me. And this is why. Cause and you see, can't make he- those calls. He's like, nah, I'm gonna start making some calls around here. But he acknowledged that he needed her, and that's why she cried in the episode because you could tell Claire had a big burden on her thing because of that girl from the other episode. And she was worried her place would be taken. And the fact that Shuichi was like, no, never forget, we're one. I need you just as much as you need me. And let me take this burden off of you because we're together. Basically, I love you. And it's just like, that made Claire cry because she hasn't had someone care for her like that since her family and her family died. Exactly. And to to see, I feel like it's exactly that. Like, he was sitting there like, I do need you. But at the same time, he was like, you also need me. He's like, we're one where we can't function with just you, just you. You know what I'm saying? He's like, I got to carry my weight. Exactly. He's sitting there like, I don't want the, the weight to be all on your shoulders. He's like, we're a, we're a partnership. And that, that was a beautiful moment because that's why she's been on that since day one. She's like, nah, nigga, I'm the I'm yeah. the decision maker. And he's like, no, look, he's like, you're doing a lot. I understand why you're trying to do that, but you don't have to do that. Yeah, we're a team. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's a beautiful thing. Like, episode one, Shuichi wasn't even... Shuichi wanted to kill her. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even like... Then you see episode... Like, I've seen him go from being a straight bitch to being a straight G. Yeah, he's he's low-key a respectable character, a respectable MC, and it happened really fast. You don't get to see shit like that in, in season one. Like, you know how long it is before you see Aaron start getting his, his W's? Because Aaron's Dude, got a lot of L's before you Deku see him. Deku was up. broken the entire Deku season too. one. Like facts, he was a he he broke his body the entire season one. So like literally seeing Shuichi, but it doesn't happen without Claire. And I think this goes to the theme of the show of you need you need your partner in life to make you whole you need your partner y'all to to make it through life you need someone to help you to get to where you want to go because you can't make it alone and i think claire's sister someone who's shown the troubles of if you go at it alone whereas claire and shuichi uh, claire and shuichi both could have ended up like that but they met each other and they chose to be for each other and be teammates and that's going to make them succeed in the long run. But the question I uh, but the thing is, yeah, when when Claire and Shuichi both find out that Shuichi used to be with Claire's sister, how does Claire react to that? And how the suit was made originally for Claire's sister. That's going to hurt Claire's sister is about to, about, I feel like she about to drop some secrets too. I can see, I, I can see Claire becoming a villain at the end of everything. I could too. Like I could see well. that coin and like her, like they try to rehabilitate her sister. Her sister maybe gets rehabilitated and like 
she she tells him the truth and then Claire's like can't take it and just has a mental breakdown. But I feel like her and Shuichi's bond should be strong enough so that doesn't happen, but we shall see. We jealousy is a it, bitch. It's gonna make some plot twists, but uh another thing before we just get on to Tower God, but like the, the last thing just to the point of like friendships and like uh, relationships and how you need other people and yada yada. I really want to just touch on how they drove home uh, the villain. Like they made you feel for this bad yeah, guy. Yeah, they did. Like he, he, you already started feeling for him the first episode in episode, uh, what was it? Nine and 10 is like, it really drives it home. Like, Hey, you may look at him like he's a scumbag and he is, but not with his, he has a, a code of honor. He's yeah, not he just ethics. a, Exactly. He died with his gang because that's how committed he was to what he believed. Because he could have ran. He, he could have ran. He was like the one bitch. that could have made it. And he, he looked like he could have been a bitch type character with his face, the way he looked dingy and just and then dirty. seeing his backstory, like him coming from that mm-hmm. trash heap. And it just showed he changed this power. Yeah, it might have consumed him, but he changed because he felt that the scrap heap should never get left behind. They should be cared about in that. And that's honorable at the end of the day. Yeah, he might be a shitty person, but he has some honorable qualities. Thanks. This is great writing all around. Like, all the characters, to me, are compelling. Even the character that you're supposed to hate, like the, the snitch-ass fucking camera dude. Yeah, he, I he, hate he, him. He, to like He he make me mad. And I feel like to evoke that kind of emotion just speaks to how great the writing is. Because they killed him off. That You know he's not important. You know he's not anybody who's worth sticking around. So they kill him off and they make you hate him before he dies. You know what I'm saying? You're going to see some... They're probably going to make make you feel bad about it later. But yep. that's just how good the writing is. They can tug your emotions left and right. They can make you going from being like... Oh, I love Claire. She's badass. To ooh, this bitch is kind of crazy. To ooh, but she might have a good heart though. Ah, but she might be mentally unstable. It's like <laughs> the, that roller coaster ride of emotions. But that's with a every human being character. though. That's and that's what makes good writing. Like when a human being's not one note. So why should characters and stories that we watch and and read be one note? No, they need to be multifaceted and can change at the drop of a dime because that's what humanity is facts like we're, we're getting towards the end i want to say of season one because i don't think we're gonna get 24 i think we're just gonna get 12 12 yeah but um like I'm, I'm i'm glad this one didn't uh start strong and fizzle out like it's only getting more and more impactful you, you're starting to learn more about these characters you're starting to feel more for these characters it's really starting to to accelerate and it, just if we're chart of excitement is going up it's not yeah. like mustering in the middle i like the fact that they didn't just start hard and all of a sudden you're like used to it like because i remember goblin slayer was accelerating the first few episodes you're like what's going on by the time you get to the end and of season you, one you're like and then, uh, yeah no and another thing that two. another reason why you can think that glipnir is about to end is because look at the intro every villain that's shown has been seen Yep, that's true. We've seen damn near everybody. I've been trying to see them too already, though, because I I don't want to I don't want to stop this. One. <laughs> I don't want yeah. This is gonna be. I could have did a twenty four in this one. Well, we're about to get Fire Force and uh, God of High School season two soon because Tower of God is also about to end. Let's get to that. Oh, what would you rank uh, this uh, the uh, episode ten of Glipnir? To be honest with you, uh, I'll give it like a four eight. I don't want to give it a four five, but I'll give it a four eight because this one was strong for me. Like, I'm giving it a so I'm, many points. I'm giving it a four eight as well. I'm right there mm-hmm. with you because I, I was gonna say four seven four five, but nah, it's a, it's a four eight. So episode right. 10 of Tower of God, we have Rachel suffers a grave wound. How will she feel about reuniting with Bam as their various thoughts and intentions jumble together? Each one reaches their own decision in order to move forward. What awaits for them beyond the sadness? In episode 10, these are some scenes that resonated with me. The scene where they send uh, Ho off. I thought that was interesting because it just shows how good of a person Bam is. How 
this group of people may have been there as enemies at first, but it just shows how close in Dorsey, Kuhn, Anak, uh, Rack, uh, Hots, uh, Shibisu have become, how close they've become. And it just shows how Rachel's kind of ostracized from the group because she's hurting Bam and all of them want Bam to be happy. And we see in the next episode of Shibisu's talking to uh, Kuhn and he was like, one of the, and this is one of the scenes that I really like in episode 11, but he was like, the reason why he likes Bam and is jealous of him is because Bam is still fighting for what he loves. He hasn't lost his innocence. He hasn't lost what makes, makes him so great. And he doesn't, Shibisu doesn't want Bam to lose that. And that's why I think the gang is so standoff to Rachel because it's like, you're just trying to hurt him. Yep. Very weird, manipulative energy coming from her uh, from her side of the corner. Like, I don't know what kind of shit she is on, but I don't like it at all. Like, and then, I can't and, get a read on her. And then Bam even makes a sacrifice for her. Uh, but before we we'll get to that in a little bit, the, another scene I liked where was when Rack and Coon are discussing uh, Bam, and then he walks in and Coon realizes Bam doesn't quit on his girl and doesn't quit on his dream. Also, seeing little baby Rack was amazing. <laughs> my baby Rack is probably my favorite part of this whole <laughs> this whole next two episodes, just because that shit hits. It's so hilarious, hard. man. Like even when they even when they sent Ho off. And uh, everybody was putting flowers on his shit. This nigga just dumps a whole bunch of chocolate. Boy. I was like, this dude is retarded, bro. Like, this dude, he's perfect comic relief. Like, he he adds so much to the I need his backstory. I'm so ready for it. Like, Rack is Same. one of my favorite characters. Like, I really love... And it's funny, because I don't dislike Bam, but my love for Coon and Rack are so high. Yeah, Coon and Rack is up there. This is a Hunter Hunter situation to me. Uh, well, you like everybody but like, Gone. <laughs> uh, yeah, Gone is cool. Don't get me wrong, because I do like Gone and I do like yeah, uh, I like Bam. Ba- yeah, same. But Bam will forever like after this season ends. I don't know when we're getting season two, but until we get that season two, uh, Bam will go down as Simp God as the meme. He will be the meme for Simp God until because more and more people are going to be getting on Tower God every day. The more people that see it, the more people that are going to be like, "Damn, this man is the biggest simp of all time." <laughs> fuck Rachel. Fuck Michelle. Why were they calling her Michelle? Michelle like, like that was her nick. That was her. And see, she even uh, made a fake name, so so he wouldn't know. Like he wouldn't know that's her. Come on, not girl. trust that bitch. Yeah, bro. I don't trust. I, don't I, trust I, I think she has something all. going on, shady. Like even though in the next episode we see her kind of trying to get along with Bam, but it's just like, Mm-mm, you're not fake. talking, the way you're looking, the way your face is, it just tells me screams fake. Seems manipulative to me yeah, too. Like a lot is. of the shit she said seemed manipulative. Like she, she ain't got no lick of trust for me. Like I'm at negative percent right now. Uh, another thing that, and I, this gets answered in episode 11, but man, what's up with the director? Who's like, why did he meet with that guy? Like, who is that guy? Like, what's up with this, this uh, him trying to mess with Anak? Like, why is the director evil? I know he's saying he's doing for the tower, but the way Lero Rowe keeps looking at him, and like, it's like he has some ulterior to, ulterior motives. I don't that fuck with the director. That shit yeah, was burning me up. I don't know what was going on, but I was mad about it the whole time. I did not fuck with that guy. Uh, the director's a skis ball. Oh, also, I loved how Coon tried to outsmart the director with Lero Rowe being like he wants to take the administrator test, but then they find out that you have to be in a regular, and then Bam takes the test, and then basically the episode ends with Bam getting ready to take the test and him looking at the big creature with that those big ass eyes which was crazy 
that's always weird when you see a big ass creature because I'm excited. Like the scale of this world is so yeah, wild. It's, it's like you don't know what's going on. Everything's so tiny in this big world. And that's why the fight with the director versus that random uh operative of jihad when he, the operative of jihad sent his monster out and the director's monster was like. 10 times bigger and he was just like you can't fuck with me I've been knowing you was here the director's a cold motherfucker but he's just oh yeah he's I, I do not like him but uh, I'm interested to see how they take him down because he has to go he yeah. has to go he can't stick around you know what I'm saying like he's doing some scummy shit they setting him up to be a big villain do you think okay see I'm, I'm uh, that's interesting oh well yeah because they're about to leave the tower and when they leave the tower he's just a ranker so they could see him again as a no I, I'm with you he could definitely be a villain and someone that gives them a thorn in their side um that's all the scenes that really resonated me with episode 10 anything else you got about episode 10 um no that's pretty much it like a lot of my favorite parts from the from the episode had to do with uh baby baby rack you know what I'm saying uh, my favorite part of the episode uh are dealing with Kuhn, his his savagery and his wit. Uh, that's just that's the highlight of everything to me. You know what I'm saying? Because yep. the the everything else was just depressing. Seeing the damn the the director be skeezy, like scummy behind the scenes. Seeing Simp God be toyed with by by uh, Rachel. Rachel was so hard to watch. Like I'm watching that cringing the whole entire time. I'm like man, get get back to the good shit. You feel and me? But he got too that, much drip and too much power just to be mm-hmm. clowning. But he was, he loves that girl, girl with the brown hair name that was talking. Oh, who she left? Was who did? Yeah, who left? Oh, uh, I don't know her name. But that, seeing, seeing her talk with Shibi Sue was impactful. Seeing was the whole moment. funeral or the whole send off was impactful. She gives Shibi Sue uh, that knife. I, now he got a weapon. Yeah, and I love I loved all that. Like that to me gave so much heart to this story. Like. Everything about the Tower God is, is hitting right For now. some reason, for me, I felt like when she was talking to Shibisu and she gave him the knife, I felt like she wanted to tell him, live so I can meet you after. Like, I feel like she wanted to either meet Shibisu after he's done with his journey, or I feel like she wanted Shibisu to leave with her so they could beat it. Like, I felt like she, at that moment, she loved Shibisu. I definitely feel like she went from being like not fucking with him at all to so like now there's really romantic tension. Yeah, all. like there's there's romantic tension for sure. All right, they set you- it up whenever they both walked into the uh, past the water together. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So What would you rate episode ten one through five? I'll give it a good four or five, just because yeah. of the heartstrings it tugged. It hit super hard. It it was like one of them ones that like this is why Tower of God is new goat. Yeah, no, 100%. I'm giving it a 4-5 as well. Let's get to episode 11, Underwater Hunt Part 1. And this is the second to last episode. Next week's going to be the finale, I believe. I'm pretty sure. It's either next week or it's it's either next week's the finale or the week after the finale. We we either only have one or two left. I'm pretty sure it's just one, though. But this is Underwater Hunt Part 1. Another test is held to reach the top of the tower. Much has been lost. Important things have been gained in order to climb the tower. Accept it all and move forward in your direction, uh, your feelings, and move forward in the direction your feelings lead you. This is the episode I loved when in the scene where Kuhn was uh, faking with Rack because they find out that... uh, um, Bam is an irregular and he's like I can't help him and Rack's like no we gotta help him and they're acting to try to get everybody along and then Dorsey picks it up and she's like we get y'all acting like everybody's made the decision we're gonna help Bam anyway because the only way that Bam could do the test is if they help him because of the decision he made with Rachel that they were gonna be the bait and he was like I'll sit with you and I have faith in my friends that they'll help 
me accomplish my dream to get you to climb the tower. And I think it's dope that they do that. Another thing I like of this episode is just seeing Kuhn be the leader and seeing his connection with uh, Shibisu, that conversation I told you about why they both love Bam and they discuss it. And that's definitely one of the reasons why Kuhn loves Bam. Uh, I also love the com- comedic relief with Rack about how Rack's like, can I throw it now? Can I throw it now? He doesn't throw the spear. And it ends up being fucking uh, the green guy. I don't even know his name. It starts with a P, a pro school or whatever Rack was called. Mm-hmm. I don't even know his name. But he throws the spear to save Hots' life. That's a little bit later in the show. I also like the Anak and uh, Dorsey connection. And we find out that that guy, his whole plot was to murder Anak. He gets him separated. And Anak is basically getting her ass whooped by the dude. And then she he, she brings in Dorsey and throws the sword to Dorsey and is like, you kill her and you can be forgiven for what you've done. And it's like, damn, Dorsey, I don't want you to kill Anak because y'all built a relationship. That's going to be something to see in the next episode. I'm trying to think anything else. I didn't like any of the Bam and Rachel scenes of them just floating up because her oh, yeah, face, I hated that. Every, her every face the way she doesn't respond to him, it just seems like a setup. Like, I feel like she knew the director was causing schemes and everything. I just want Bam, Rack, and Coon, uh, and Dorsey, Anak, and Hots, and Shibisu just to leave Rachel the fuck out alone and just climb up. But also that princess finally made it in the testing uh, arena. I wonder if the princess who gave the Black March is going to save... Anak and Ebi, and I'm uh, not Ebi Sue, Anak and uh and uh and Dorsey from the uh collector for jihad. That'll be something interesting to see what happens with that group. And will uh Bam get the black march back? Because you gotta remember Anak has the black march, and now that the princess of jihad, who's the one who has the black march, is coming, she's gonna take it from Anak. And I wonder if Bam's gonna get it back. But that's all the major things I had for this episode. Um yeah, I think that's all the things I had. You have anything you want to say about this episode? One of the one of the main things I loved about it was the whole um, the whole endorsey Anak kind of competition thing in the beginning. How she was like, "Look, you fight her for five minutes, and I'll give you uh, like yeah, you'll give dope. me a sword, or whatever. Or if not, I'll be your personal slave." And she's like, "Ah, okay, let's get it." I love seeing them comp- like they had a whole little spot where they were just kicking each yeah, other. Yeah, they were just and that yeah. shit was hilarious. And she was, she was like, like, "It's not the fucking time for that. It's not the yeah, time." Yeah, like, literally, he's like, "Bro, really?" Because he was scared. Because he tried to. He had in the heroic music was playing. I was like, "Oh, look, Chibisu getting a kill when he stabbed him with a knife, and then the dude just flips him." Off. And even that part was amazing too. Like the part wherever wherever he like throws a rock at him and son looks at him like, "Come on, bro, leave me alone." Like yeah, he's like, "No, bitch. I'm delicious." <laughs> and he's like, "Dude, get away from me, dude. You're really gonna make me just kill you. I ain't want to do that." Today. But Chibisu's was lucky head. because that dude was controlling him. Because if he wasn't, that thing would have killed Chibisu. Oh yeah, big facts, bro. And that creature, uh, the bull or whatever they want to call yeah, it, yeah, the bull. That uh, that was an amazing design. I bro, he looked the like badassery of it. He looked like uh, fa- you finished Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, huh? Mm-hmm. You remember Father's design at the end where he was just the black face and with mm-hmm. the big eye. That looked like the bull where he was like the humanoid creature. The only oh, thing is the it. bull had a mouth on his stomach. That shit was yeah, crazy. Like cape and shit. Like, yeah. man, that shit was wild, bro. Like, it was a great character design. Uh, badass villain or badass, you know, uh, fighter for like the antagonist uh, puppet. You know what I I'm hope, saying? I hope Endorsey stays true to the themes of it doesn't matter what family you're born into. It doesn't matter your blood. Because this is a theme we see with Kuhn. We see with Bam. We, and I, I'm sure we're going to find out about Rachel, uh, a theme she has, as well as Anak and Dorsey. You don't, you don't get to... Um, well, how am I? I don't want to phrase this. Your family isn't 
who you're born into. Your family is who you choose to be your family. And I hope uh, Endorsey realizes that and chooses Anak because there, there's a relationship there. And the family that they've built between Anak, uh, Endorsey, Shibisu, Kuhn, Rack, Hots, and Bam, that's their family. Kuhn has lost a family. Anak has lost a family. Endorsey has her problems. But now they have a family again, and they need to realize that they chose this family and they love each other. They need to choose this family instead of focusing on blood ties. Thanks. So I, I hope Endorsey makes the right choice because she's my favorite character in this show right now, and I just want her to make the right choice, man. Yeah, Endorsey Endorsey's one of my favorite characters as well, too. Um, I love all the princesses of Jihad. Yeah, I love too. um I love I all, <laughs> all the fucking protagonists. Like everybody who's lasted is like they got rid of the nigga I didn't like, ho, and he's gone. Like, yeah, get him out of here. Ugly dumbass, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> he he went out sad, you know what I'm saying? I'm, uh, it's, it's always it's always good to see the motherfuckers you don't like go out the way you want them to go out. Cause it's sad when you see bitch niggas last forever and they fuck up the story. <laughs> bitch niggas last too long, they will fuck some shit up. So I'm glad that's the director. We're gonna see what happens. I hope I hope Lara Rowe kill that nigga. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. We we're getting we're getting these bitch niggas to fuck up out of here. Like with with Gliebnir and with this one, we lost two of uh some fucked up individuals. So I'm glad we're, we're getting that and we're not seeing, we got, like you said, we got the director that got to go too, but we're yeah. leading them out one by one. You know what I'm saying? He, he gonna, he gonna have his day. I'm ready to learn more about the power with the, uh, sh- uh the Shinsu or whatever their power's called. Because you remember when that dude questioned the director and was like, I don't agree with these results either. And then he was like, well, if you can last this for a minute and his nose started bleeding, he started making him see like, yo, that power is crazy. I want to know, all there is to what's going on with that power because Bam can control that on free will. And what else did I want to say about this? That director is pure evil, man. Yeah, he is, man. Like, geez, I want Lara Rowe to kick his... Oh, the co- the uh, collector of Jihad. That's what I'm just calling him. The dude with the, with the uh, Mickey Mouse arms and legs with the bag mm-hmm. stomach. What's his deal? What's up with the king of Jihad? And why is, why is it so important that they get rid of Anak? But he did say if she wouldn't have tried to get revenge, she would have lived peacefully. But I don't know if I believe that. You never know. That could be manipulation tactics. Yep. So there, uh, I want to know more about this whole Princess of Jihad situation and, and why there's collectors coming after certain princesses, as well as how does this tie to Dorsey's backstory? Because he was like, you can redeem yourself if you kill a knock. And like, what does she have to redeem? Mm-hmm. This this story just has so much heart. All these characters have heart, and you just seeing more and more of it. It's like not it's not losing any kind of. This is an onion, man. Picking up. I'm loving oh, every yeah. late. Like it's it has that DeRoe Hatero quality of when they answer one question, we get two more. Mm-hmm. And oh, I'm you really want the answers. Like you like there's there's sometimes where you'll get lost in the question. You'll just not care anymore. With this is like you 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 love every every single every mystery. Second of it. No, and every single reveal, every single reveal is impactful. It's it's just really it's it's really a fun experience. No, this is a great show, man. Like like it's it's up there for best anime of 2020. It's gonna be tough when we do the anime awards because as of now, Dorohiro and Tower of God are standing above some of the others, and even Glipnir's storytelling is really good. But I don't know if it's Tower of God level good because the way no, that, I don't think so. The way with the way with Tower of God is doing this is this is impactful well, and great. And some of the themes that they have in this, like the family theme, uh, the theme of of loneliness and needing other humans to survive, and that that's band theme. The uh, the theme of n- your past doesn't define you. I feel like that's in Dorsey and Anak's theme. 
Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm ready to learn more about Rack, more about Shibisu, more about Hots, because Hots doesn't have that much story, and he seems like a big, important part, his two samurai sword style. So there's stuff that I want to learn more about. But this episode, I'm giving it a solid 4-7. I'm, I'm going to give this one another 4-5, just because it hit it hit hard a lot to me, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like they both were uh were were evenly matched for me because I love different things in each one. You know what I'm saying? No, one hundred percent. I'm with you, but Chris, that's all the time we have today, my brother. We Tell the it. people where they can find you at on social media. Yeah, you know I'm saying find your boy Chris SJE at Chris SJE on all social media and just Chris Space SJE if you're looking for music. Definitely, Otaku God just dropped the new Jagan project. It's everywhere now on Thanks. iTunes, Spotify, and the main like the title track from the album features me and Slick and uh, King Vader did a video to it. Fuck my head up like that shit. Surprise my day, Litty. Uh, and so that's if y'all wanted to, if y'all want to peep that song out, get that shit going up because the numbers going up and it's just gaining more more traction. So hop on the wave before y'all y'all miss a, a, a classic anime rap song and just stay tuned because like I just wrapped up a lot of mixing before we started this episode. Like projects coming before the end of June. Big facts. Oh, we have a. Uh, you can find me at Lynn BWT Father Bros. You think at Bros. You think we have an announcement. There is a new show dropping in the off week. It is called Run It Back. In this show, it's going to be mainly anime content, but we will have non anime Run It Back because the premise of Run It Back is me and if it's anime, me, Chris, and another guest. If it's non anime, me, Schubert, and another guest, or me and a guest will watch a movie and do a deep dive review. We'll have categories. We'll have different things like who was the best character in the movie. We'll debate the themes. We'll, we'll just really do deep dives into the into the movie. And it'll be something to where, because on Anime Talk, we don't get a chance to talk about movies unless it's like a new movie. This would be where we can go to old movies like Akira, like A Ghost in the Shell, and review all the classics. And for classic anime, we'll take like one episode that was really impactful. For example, one of the running backs I'm thinking of for One Piece is Luffy versus Usopp. Me and Chris were talking about that today. I think that would be a great just run it back one episode to review for the show. It'll be YouTube exclusive, and I can announce the guests. It will be me, Krissa, and our guy Hastic. And the reason why we chose Hastic because he is a big fan of this property. We will be reviewing the movie Your Name. So be on the lookout for that next week. It should be out between Monday and Wednesday. Monday at the earliest, Wednesday at the latest. But me, Krissa, Hastic, run it back. The first movie we're choosing is Your Name. We will be reviewing the anime classic. So that means Weathering With You will be coming down the line. But we're just building our YouTube uh, platform so we can have more content. Me and Chris were talking off air about another thing that we have coming for y'all. It involves the word top five. We got a lot of good content coming on the YouTube, but we're starting it off with Run It Back. We're super excited to watch that and have you guys check it out. But for more Bros Who Think content, we dropped the latest episode of the Bros Who Think podcast. Be sure to check that out. By the time you guys are hearing this, it is out now. We dropped the most recent episode of Bros Who Binge. We reviewed the latest Adam Sandler movie, Uncut Gems. And we're continuing our Avatar rewatch slash review. We just reviewed episodes 9 through 12 of Avatar, The Last Airbender of Book 1. So we'll be reviewing 13, 14, 15, and 16 next week so be sure to catch up on that but other than that for all the announcements everything we got coming be sure to stay tuned to me and chris's twitter be sure to follow the bros you think at bros you think 
thank you again to Richie Branson for coming on the pod. We really, really appreciate it. Y'all make sure y'all go get his album on June 12th. But for Richie, for Krissa, my name is Lyndon. We will see y'all next week with Run It Back. But, oh, as well as our Instagram Live. But until then, y'all guys have a good one. And peace. Kick shit, Sanji. Bad bitch, not me. Pakistani, count thousands. OP, three hockeys. Still don't need co-signing. Still in the flats where you find me. Still round round getting noggin. Pass us these rappers still trying. I'm stolen this bitch like I'm Gyro. You niggas like Krillin, you cops. You can't run from all your problems. Like Pilaf, you turn to a toddler. These bitches like Bomba be Bobbers. I'm focused like I'm with the net. My bitch get the yank, get it in. Beyblade spinning the bins. Your niggas spinning them Benjamins, chasing M&Ms. I need all the dividends. My niggas monsters be gremlin, chopping blades like Kenshin. Corners we bending them. Hop on the beat with adrenaline. Niggas is copycats like Tim Tim. My bitches yellow like Simpson. All that bullshit you saying, I'm seeing like Tim. My third eye is peeping. You dreaming like hypno. Jockin' the drip like Ditto. Missouri on my body pillow. Like Rick, get put in a Kiko. Then blink it to swingin', bitch, get low. These rappers done stepped in my kills on. All of your fool of your bitch, I go demon mode. My wrist is gold like that bitch is when freezing. My wrist went gold cause I run it like Sonic My bitch rap robotic, not bad but robotic I'm high off the chronic, my bitch roll the spill Give her initially, then I drip She throw me the keys, then I dip Dip, then I grab the dip for my chip Got too much chips to ever call it quits Got too much wins to ever give in Got a gym, this chick, you know she gon' bend Whole click rich, you know we gon' spin Turn it this, I'm feelin' like gin Put a hole in your chest, you lookin' like Ren These rappers my sons, I dissed them like Jing Getting green like metal when my meat king I'm in her water like a sea king But it's the money what I'm seeking Bustin' this bitch and I'm letting in the chopper bus, go tease some powder puffs, we really ride it rough. Don't give a fuck about that bitch and she popular. I keep on going, the rest when the dollars up. We getting dollars, they worry about followers. We working hard, you gotta acknowledge us. She giving brain, feel like a psychiatrist. Chappin' like Zinku, I feel like a scientist. Cook up 